Welcome to the Mortal Realms. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are... I'm Davey, the Allgate Keeper. And I'm Eric, the Key Master. In this episode, we will be concluding the Realm Gate Wars with all gates. Sigmar is striking all eight gates simultaneously with reforged alliances. This is a crescendo to his campaign to drive back chaos. Davey, how are you doing? Doing great. Really happy to be uh, here and talking AOS. How about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, very glad to be here. The holidays have been uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, did you get into any trouble or, or into any uh, festivities? Oh, a little bit of both, but uh, we, we got, uh, traditionally we've, we've done a lot of traveling the past few years and we finally got one where, where we didn't. So it was nice just to, just to be the family and the, the kids and, you know, we saw the extended family outside of the immediate holidays, but uh, it was, it was cool just to have my little guys and, and uh, have that time there. So good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Our, uh, uh, my son got a a load of Star Wars toys. Ooh. Um, so, and so uh, by proxy, his dad also got a ton of Star Wars toys. You, right, yeah. hit nail on the head. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was talking to somebody about, you know, being a Star Wars fan, but not owning much swag myself. Yeah. But now I get to vicariously live through my son and all his uh, play school toys. So, nice. um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, and uh, yeah, the holidays were were pretty cool and managed to, to grab a couple of things for myself too. Um, got blood bowl. Oh yeah. That's um, right. got a gift certificate and the local store was having a, a discount on it and to get more local players into it. And so I think that's something my father-in-law and I could get into. Yeah. You know, um, I almost sabotaged that whole thing. Cause I think there was only one left sitting on the table. I literally <laughs> was holding it in my hands, you know, less, maybe less than two hours before you, you ended up uh, snapping it. I was, Turning it over yeah. and thinking and thinking and and put it back. You down. were visited. You were visited by the ghost of Christmas future, yeah. and it's like, well, what if you didn't buy this and Erica got it, and you said, okay, fine. Yeah, exactly. So it's all coming up, baby. <laughs> now, so so this is, uh, yeah. I mean, we're we're closing out uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a great year mm-hmm. for the hobby. Um, we've got some things to talk about, and we've got obviously all gates. Um, what I know you've been busy, uh, but you know. But since the last time we recorded, what what you've been up to in the hobby? You've been able to to get many games in, or much uh, paint on the plastic? Not very much. We we got to do a little bit of a, a hinterlands campaign. You and I got to to play a game of that, um, and then uh, we we're we we're doing a little talking. I was literally falling asleep while we were talking, so uh, <laughs> I I headed back. But uh, standing up, yeah. rolling dice, and falling asleep yeah. at the same time. But it, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun to put that little war band together and think about ways that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, it has that a little bit of that Mordheim vibe. Um, I think there's, I think there's a whole lot more could be expanded to it, but I, it feels modular uh, in that way where you could you can plug and play components onto it as you as you want. I know you've played uh, a lot more of yeah. those. Uh, what, what's Paul your, and I, your takeaway? Yeah, Paul and I have gotten five games in. We did uh, three games like in one night, so hour about an hour per game, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of list crunching to try and figure out like yeah, if you've got, yeah. you know, this, you've got 150 gold, what do you do with it? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I mean the first three games were learning experience very much. You have to kind of, you either, it seems like if you risk trying to get everything, 
you you can get it. You can like have games where somebody just sweeps it. Right. Um, but you can also like have games where you just like on the the reverse of that is you could be on the receiving end of that because you're trying for something you're trying for too much mm-hmm. and you fall short of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, kind of having more the the one thing I would say is that it's it is a um, it, whatever one person gets or whatever they don't get, the other person will get generally right. in that, in those, in those current scenarios. So it's, it's that kind of like, I, I want to go for more so that I leave my opponent with less. Um, but then you could end up with nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just some interesting choices there and a lot of fun to play. Um, and yeah, just, I'm looking forward to when we get a chance to kind of get a campaign going and, and maybe the, the within our group or within our upcoming, uh, game night be able to to do something so yeah and i imagine um, uh we'll probably we'll probably delve into that a little bit more when we get to the hero phase but uh that that will be a a thing coming up for us here locally um thanks to your yeah. your efforts um we'll, we'll hopefully be getting uh some more madison club game uh picking up a little bit more so yeah well i've uh anything else uh besides our game did you get uh did you get any uh you know purple on your slanesh or uh uh I will say this. I am excited for my Slanish army. I've not done much. I, I was working through some sprues, working on some uh, ideas for some demonet conversions. Uh, one of the things, so um, you look back at the, the different things that went down this year, and, and one of the things that happened after I got my Slanish on the board was that uh, General's Handbook came out. And so now if I want the option to put them down, uh, I have a weird battle line situation where I've got, if I go all Slaves of Darkness, I've got tons and tons of battle line because Knights and Marauders count, but that means I can't take some of my Hostess Lanesh stuff. So I, I'm trying to figure out how I get uh, get some more battle line. There's a bunch of ways you can go with that. You know, I've got some some gores I could do or, or demonettes, and I feel like it's it's got to be demonettes. Uh, so I'm, I'm figuring out how that conversion. So mostly it's been uh, thinking about uh, in my downtime since uh, I haven't had the time to do it, but I've been trying to stay uh, mentally engaged, I guess. And we'll, uh, we'll get into why that is. It's a great time to, uh, even if you don't have the, the hands-on time, there's lots of ways to be mentally engaged with the hobby right now. But before we yeah. get to that, talk to me. I I, uh, I was looking at some of the pictures, and it looks like you've been pretty lazy this year as far as uh, hobby, so <laughs> this should go quick. Right? Yeah, th- well, so this last, um, since... Um, we last recorded, we covered, uh, Holy Havoc. Um, and since then I haven't, uh, been painting a lot. Um, I kind of was in a little bit of like, what do I do now? Um, I had a bunch of kind of different kits, um, conversion things that I was doing that none of them had, I didn't have all the pieces to finish the conversions. And recently I've been able to get more of those together. So I started off, um, getting a few more, um, Mornfang for the, um, and another um, Stonehorn for the Ogre Nids um, to kind of just, you know, I, I've got to get t- um, uh, Tarkos needs some followers before he can become a Frost Lord. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. uh, start, started getting some of that together, which was cool. Excuse me. Um, and then I got a bug in my bonnet to get my Death Rattle filled out more. So um, I put together, I have some Bretonian Knights to um, that I put on the hex wraith horses and stuff that to, so I've got 15 of those that I, I are, I'm almost ready to start painting. Um, I, I'd say the biggest, my biggest like 
frustration is, is sourcing new bases. Like I'm buying all these old kits yeah. Oh, um, yeah. and I, and I have to get these old, ba- find the, the oval bases and I just keep forgetting to order them or I'm just like, ah, I'd rather get more plastic or whatever. Yeah. So, but, uh, and then I put together 30 more skeletons, uh, skeleton warriors. And I put together, um, just using the standard skeleton warrior kit. Cause I love that kit. It is a great uh, like kit. Crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, 20 of those are spearmen using the black knight lances instead of the, the spears. So they're a little because bit longer. Because you can't leave anything unconverted. Is that, I guess, yeah. I guess I just gotta be. Um, and then I took, um, uh, 15, uh, peasant bowmen and put skulls on them instead of human heads, um, and turned them into some basically two king archers. Cool. Um, and, uh, and then I, converted uh, i'm in the process of converting five um starting a a soul blight um contingent and so i've got um a vampire on a frost or on a flame spire phoenix it's going to be a kind of a spectral phoenix as a either abyssal terror and i've got it ghosting through a building um, out of like the 40k um Basilica Administratum, yeah. taking all the tech bits off to make it just like a Gothic cathedral. Is, this is and, uh, I saw it, I saw your work in progress, and this is a uh, something where the the concept looks like it's translating to reality very nicely. I think so. I I, I maybe have an issue with how it's how it sits on the base. It might be a little off to the side oh, too much. Yeah, I, I guess, I, yeah. I've got to figure that out. Um, and then the, what was I just did like last night is on the inside. Um, where the walls are just kind of a flat, um, I took sprue and I cut it into lengths to make brick. Okay. Uh, and then I glued it onto that flat surface to make a kind of a brick texture. Um, and I think it turned out pretty well. Um, plastic on plastic. So it glues nice. And then, uh, you know, the edges aren't so uniform, Okay. but, uh, but I, I think it'll work. Um, it's going part way up. It's not brick all the way up. So, um, and then uh, part of that then is I've got uh, five. I got two packs of um, what are they? The Empire Demigriffs. Oh, uh, for to turn into Blood Knights. So I've uh, again need bases for them, but I'm in the process of converting those, and I'm going to use um, hopefully use uh, spite revenant heads. Okay. For vampire heads. Okay. I don't have um, a good have- sense. Are those are those bits that are generally available on uh, um yeah so if i know you know we've got some locally but uh typically if you're with those you're either building the tree revenants with the emo hair or the spite revenants with the with the bald heads yeah um and they're kind of like fangy but not in the way of like teeth more like you know skin fang kind of thing but i think it has an interesting enough look for it to it and you can source a lot of them you know so if i have a you know all all of the demi, the demigriff knights can have the vampire heads the any other vampires we can, you know that I create can have those so it's an easy way to kind of cre- bring consistency to the army okay sure um but then as I was doing that so I was kind of just pulling stuff off and all that kind of stuff and I was like okay I, I I was waiting for certain things to come in and so I started looking at kind of unpainted stuff like stuff that I'd started this year and. I was like, okay, what, what could I finish up? And so there was some Stormcast heroes I could finish up. There was some stuff I could get final, you know, base coat on and some washes in and, you know, be ready for highlights and that sort of stuff. And then I started wondering, like, well, what did I paint this year? Um, and kind of starting all the way back in January, I had a huge, like, rush in January to prep for PACA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then in the spring when I didn't quite have anything I was interested in, I painted up my Island of Blood rats Mm -hmm. for for chaos. So I had death and then I had chaos. And then this summer I got heavy into the order with um, Stormcast and some Sylvaneth and some uh, Devoted of Sigmar. Um, and then as the summer hit and we were getting ready for havoc, obviously we, people have heard us talk about the, the ogres and the destruction. And so one, uh, this year I was able to do uh, a force in each of the grand alliances, which was kind of cool. Oh yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, if there was a bingo card to scratch off, <laughs> right. Which I could get, maybe we should make one of them. <laughs> that would, uh, I'd actually thought about something like that for the, the, the game night, but I'll talk we can talk about that another time. All right. um, and then um, I started like just setting them all out on the table, kind of spring cleaning kind of stuff. What am I, what do I need to f- convert up? What do I need to finish? What do I need to put in the kind of queue ready to, to get going? And then I started co- you know, pointing up with the general's handbook points. Not that, you know, I, that's not the biggest um, influence on my life, uh, but you know, I wanted to just check out the points. Yeah, I mean, it's a way to, it's, one of several it's something, ways to quantify. Yeah. yeah, we could do model count, whatever, that sort of thing. And uh, I may end up doing it. I want to put together a quick blog post about, about it and just kind of take a look at the armies and, and show them off and stuff. Two of them are pretty high standard, the Ogre Nids and the Undead. And then I would say the Rats were a super fast, like speed paint, um, tabletop standard. And the the Stormcast, I would say I've got them all up to table. They have a potential of going to a higher standard. Sure but I've got them all up to the table. Um, but do you, do you want a fair guess at how many points I added them up to? Mm, let's see. Doing some quick goat math here. I'm going to say <laughs> 4,500 uh, 4, to 5,000. You're half right. I'm half right? Is it 10,000? What is <laughs> it's, it's almost 9,000 oh uh, points oh. of uh, models painted this year. So... Um, some of those are obviously stuff I had just bought last year and didn't do anything with. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of that, um, I got to learn, I got to know eBay a little bit better at the same time. Uh, I definitely think I supported all, th- you know, the, the three main game shops, uh, here that I, that I yeah. shop at. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so it was, uh, a lot of fun. Um, some great, learned a lot. Um, and kind of like you were saying is I got a lot I could put on the table, yeah. um, but it's funny because all of a sudden, you know, you've got these armies and all of a sudden you're like, oh, what if I could put that on the table? But I don't own that. Yeah. And I'd like to this, put that on the table. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting conversation maybe for another time. But I, I feel like uh, AOS is really well built for that sort of collecting of, you know, so oh, I've got this and it would be so easy to add this, you know, I, if I'm interested in putting some Brayherd stuff in my Chaos Army, then... Let me add a couple units. Well, now I've got enough that maybe I might bulk that out to be able to do a Bray Herd army or at least a Bray Herd formation. Like it, it just chains yeah. on itself really nicely. Um, it makes the collecting element. Uh, I don't know. It really scratches that collector's itch. I think um, pretty nicely yeah. and um, just sort of trying yeah. to innovate some with list building or, or try different things out. I like the I like the wide open experimentation even within the confines of, of match play. Um, and obviously as you get to the other types of play, it gets even the, uh, a broader expanse of what's possible. Absolutely. And I think uh, as the stories come out in each new release and even looking at the 40K releases that are coming out, they just keep um, creating reasons for you to get excited about the stories and get excited yeah. about you know the, the what you can put on the table. And 
Um, and yeah, they're doing a, a really great job. Those jerks. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, uh, you know what, uh, you know, I'm, my wife and I are looking at, uh, we're probably going to be moving in the next, um, is buying a new house in the next six months. So I don't know how much I'll be able to, you know, army wise to get done in the next, um, little while, but I'm hoping that I can substitute that with a, um, a bunch of terrain, um, mm. kind of got to get switch gears for terrain for some local reasons. And just to, you know, again, I've got a lot of like partially built stuff and it's, uh, will be nice to just kind of need to get it done. Focus, focus, focus. Right. You got any goals? You got anything that you're hoping to in the next six months? I know we got Zinch stuff coming out soon. Yeah, um, I, that sort of stuff. I think I really want to uh, bulk out my Slanesh forces, where a lot of the excitement is. But I, I like being in the place where, if uh, if the spirit takes me, and I want to add some stuff to the bone splitters or or anything else, um, just can can uh, skip around and, and add to things as we go. And uh, and of course, uh, working on on um, some future projects for maybe for um, Holy Havoc again. So. Um, we'll, uh, we'll revisit that at another time, but, um, it's, it's nice to be in that, to skip back and forth. I, I would love to get the, uh, bone splitters where I could be a, uh, heavy combat bone splitter force just to let people see something else they haven't. And I think there's some ways it could, it could work, but man, it's a lot of models <laughs> to, to, uh, put together for that. So we'll see. But yeah, just the skip back and forth between those two, I think is the main, main plan right now. I would love to see some MSU uh, more boys with some death riding, like yes. multi death death riding. Yeah, uh, some monsters, just orcs humping the crap out of monsters. <laughs> just keep a log of the mo- most epic death rides. You know, this guy <laughs> death rode Archaon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the the future is bright, and uh, there's a, a lot of good reasons for that, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the community phase. The community phase. In the community phase, we talk about news and events that are significant to the AOS community. So, a couple of uh, really cool things have been coming out of Games Workshop itself. Everyone has talked about it, um, including um, you know us on Twitters and all over the place. But mm-hmm. uh, um, the main two being uh, Warhammer Community and Warhammer TV. Yeah. Um, how have you been uh, enjoying this kind of newfound? Um, content driven by Games Workshop. So I've not had time to sit down and watch Warhammer TV, but I have uh, made Warhammer Community like a, a daily uh, hop on. Basically, I'm up at about 4:45 uh, for this uh, training I'm going through. So nobody else in the house is awake. I'll come down, set up my breakfast, and while I'm eating my breakfast, have my quiet moment of scrolling through what's new on the community website, and that's. That's been a cool way to stay engaged, even though I don't have the the time to put hands on the hobby a whole lot. Um, but uh, I certainly like what I've heard secondhand about Warhammer TV. You've you've seen some of it, is that correct? Or? Yeah, I was able when it when it launched. I was able to spend um, my my job's pretty flexible, and I can if I if I know what I'm doing, I can you know load stuff to different days or, or work late certain times or whatever. But I was able to kind of just be logged on for quite a bit of it. I was mostly most excited for the narrative, um, uh, AOS on Wednesday. And it was, it was a really cool being in the chat, talking through things uh, with other people. 
And, um, and I mean, it was a really good atmosphere and, and really cool stuff. I thought Robin Eddy did a good job. It was hard bec- too, because you're trying to get a story and I'm sure there's going to be some kind of, they're working on a campaign. And so being able to, um, kind of know what's happening in the campaign, maybe off camera, like mm, things that they sure. come up with in between. And so they had really cool, like voiceover and artwork, um, driven cinema that was mm. kind of telling the story. And then they showcased the armies in really cool ways, which like, you know, I feel like everybody needs to build a piece of scenery just for taking yeah. pictures of your army on it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and the boards were fantastic. And then even on Friday, I, I popped in for the 40 K stuff and the, the narrative one was on a, this huge, uh, Imperial city, kind of like a beach landing, um, in front of this Imperial city. It was amazing. And, um, so the boards and the, the spaces that they're playing within are just fantastic. And they, they make you want to like everything else. They might make you want to build the, the best board you can possibly build. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool content. Um, I watched a little bit on Thursday, but it was a little more spotty and I haven't gone back to look at the interviews and stuff. Um, yeah, just looking forward to seeing what more they put out. Um, and I don't know if we've got Amazon. My wife has Amazon prime. It was able to get a subscription free for having prime. Yeah, so this is something I, I just heard about from, uh, I think another podcast made mention and I did not realize it. I, I have a prime account, so I'm Super excited that I'm not uh, going to miss out. I can cycle back and, and catch yep. up when uh, when things slow down for me a little bit here. Yeah, as soon as you, you can uh, take off your air mask from getting out of the smoky <laughs> right. uh, training grounds and then uh, pop open your phone and exactly. you know, yeah. <laughs> stream it that way. Um, so those are both really cool things and I think they're they're only going to get better. There's You know, you learn a lot from the your first times out and it seems like even the, the video recording of those games, I mean, they had like three cameras um, and different, they could pop between different views and then they could show the, like the cinematics in, you know, whenever they had a pause or a break or something like that. Um, so it was just a really cool atmosphere for watching a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty more to come. Um, so we want to give a quick shout out, um, to, uh, Sam, uh, nickname is bottle, mm-hmm. uh, at underscore deviant tactics, um, and on the TGA forums, he published what is called the hinterlands, which, uh, I would say would be a, a mod for, uh, age of Sigmar. Yeah. Um, that's, that's in the tone of Mordheim, right? Right. Yeah. You get, uh, uh, war band. You basically can buy your models on the individual basis. And, uh, it is, I think mod is exactly the way to, to, uh, describe it because there's not a whole lot of extra in there, which is, which makes it really easy to pick up. Um, yeah, most a lot of the rules are on picking your warband. Like there's a whole page, and it's mostly just like what your restrictions are in picking your warband. Right. Some things that um, in the process of giving some feedback on that, so I won't share it all here. But things like you know heroes, only half your warband can be heroes, and they max get three wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's heroes cost half price. Um, everything else costs um, their 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 point cost divided by their minimum unit size. Right. Um, and, and then you buy one of those for that price. You've got 150 coins to start off with to spend. Um, and then, uh, then the rest of it has to do with kind of a few little um, tweaks to gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, uh, like a banner, if you have to have like three, three models of a kind, 
Like uh, if you had oh, you you know, one of the upgrades, right? Yeah, so you could have three skeleton warriors, and then you get one upgrade, which could be a banner, which could be a musician, could be the the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't all have to be armed the same. Yeah. Um, but if you have a banner that does something, it can affect all of them if they're within a certain distance. Right. So you get some kind of unit benefits for having uh, similar models. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, I guess what's been fun about kind of crunching the kind of um, how to play is that it, it's definitely right now with, it comes with three scenarios that you can play battle plans. And then it actually comes with kind of like a, a story mode. Um, right. That you can uh, GM to story mode, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I think that might be where it really gets to take off. Like, I certainly enjoyed our game. Um, but with uh, three scenarios, it, it exi- like, I, I think you'd want more scenarios if you were going to play it more than a handful of times because I think yep. uh, you might start retreading the same ground a little bit. But it was, you know, I, I was trying to, you and I were talking about this, why, uh, why it felt so... Uh, appealing to get crunchy with the <laughs> the building and theorizing with it, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it was because if you only have, you know, seven, eight, maybe a little more, maybe a little less models in your war band, and, you know, we already have these collections that are fairly big, we have, just have a huge amount of painted stuff to pick from. And, uh, and it's also a different way to think about it, right? Because uh, I was, you know, I was looking at some stuff and I was like, well, I, I don't know that I need to bring a guy who, you know, does three damage a pop with every hit because what if he's only fighting one wound guys we you don't splash him onto other so all of a sudden uh it it you know elevates the value of of certain aspects and and decreases the value of others and it's just uh yeah it's just a really interesting way to to think about it and uh yeah. um, crack at it. i don't know if you had any thoughts on that but yeah, I think it, it really kind of started revealing some of the value of things. Now, it's a different game than Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So what's valuable is different. So like speed is more valuable. Yeah, um, especially multi with, those, wo- the, with the base scenarios. They, they get pretty yeah. huge. Um, multi-wounds, um, uh, multi-attack yeah. uh, models are – because, you know, the, one of the big things with Mordheim is that a lot of things were single attack. Yeah. and uh, slow movement. And so it were, you were always kind of positioning for the charge, right? Yeah. And that was probably some of the tactics of Mordheim. I would say you're still positioning for the charge. It's not so much. But, um, you know, you in Mordheim, you, you get one dice and you roll it. And even though the odds are good, it seems like you always missed it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. With, Odds on one dice. Yeah, it's are, real are, slap are, fights, especially early yeah. on before, uh, before your war bands got decent. Yep. So having a few more attacks really kind of makes it a little bit crazier. Um, already had some really good stories come out of it. I uh, had a instance where I had uh, could have gotten off the board with some stuff, and I was like, no, I'll be greedy and I'll stick around. Yeah. And I had uh, three models facing up against uh, Grimrath Berserker, and he got a, like a nine-inch charge off. I thought I was totally safe and yeah. I'd be able to get off the board next turn. The Necromancer bounces wounds off um, – uh, can can shed wounds to other death units, yeah. and because I used that to keep him alive, I almost killed like all three of them. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, so it was kind of a detriment. You yeah. know, could have just sacrificed him so that the others could live. But uh, um, yeah, so just re- some really cool stuff. And I think uh, again, yeah, if we get into a campaign, it'll be fun to get to know the characters and and really grow to to kind of get attached or, but not too attached. Yeah. I remember thinking, uh, you know, if I was going to do a long-term thing, I might tweak the advancement table a little bit, but, um, yep. 
but yeah, again, that that's feedback for another day where we're, uh, we'll send it his way. And, and, uh, just a nod to bottle. Uh, I think I'm remembering that name. He was pretty active on Daka Daka, which I haven't been on for a long time now. Um, but, uh, every time I've encountered him, he's been a real cool, positive, uh, presence in whatever, whatever social media route he's taken. So um, it was cool to see a project with his uh, name on it. Yeah. So go check that out on TGA forums and, and follow him on Twitter at underscore deviant tactics. So the last thing we want to talk about during the community phase is the upcoming Realm Hoppers event. Um, now, it is already sold out. It's the uh, 18th of February and um, uh, the weekend of the 18th. I bought, um, I bought all in, the entries and I'm just scalping them. So, <laughs> And this is in the UK. Um, and this is being put on by uh, Hobby Hammer and uh, the Hobby Hammer podcast, um, Sean and Kai. I don't know if there's anybody else um, involved. Um, but they're... They're really trying to put on another fantastic narrative event, um, continuing on some of the the stories and things that that came out of Raw, which I hope we'll get a chance to to cover in the upcoming episodes. Um, uh, but you know, kind of carrying on some of the stories, some of the mechanics, um, kind of pull some of that that narrative along. So, um, and it's been interesting. I'll I'll give a shout out to the Raw guys, the uh, um, Steve Herner with uh, Holy Wars and. Um, mingle and the hobby hammers um just kind of some really good conversation around narrative play um and and how to move forward with that and so kind of trying to share ideas um and there's some really good activity going on with that um so uh it's sold out but go get on the waiting list um it's in the southeast of england uh, of margate and uh you know Otherwise, I'm sure they'd be happy to have people come down and uh, hang out and uh, have fun, play games on the side, etc. But yeah. I, I've seen them putting out some pretty cool terrain and trying to up the game. Uh, even f- I know Raw team had you know like four tos and a lot of heavy hitters working behind that. I think uh, Sean and Kai are working hard on their own to try and make something as cool. And uh, yeah, it's it seems like it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado. We've got this Allgate book um, that's uh, pretty excited to, to talk about, to share, and and to look at. So, should we get into it? Yeah, we should. It's one of my one of my. I, it might be my favorite of the uh, of the uh, Realm Gate Wars books. So let's let's get at it. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. Allgates. This is it, the final chapter of the Realm Gate Wars. It it feels like we've had to go through a lot. Like I feel like we've been wearing Sigmarite armor this whole time, <laughs> slogging through the mortal realms. Um, sometimes good, sometimes bad, um, but we've been reforged a couple of times. I mean, let's face it: if we were Stormcast, we probably would have been reforged the most. Yes, right? exactly. we'd be automatons yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, nobody <laughs> wouldn't even recognize each other. Uh, um, and I would say. Well, how, what did you think about Allgates? Uh, just kind of pre-preface this with uh, how you felt after reading this. I liked it a lot. I had, think it had some of the best moments of the series so far. Uh, I thought it was really cool that we're capping off this. You know, a couple times uh, leading up to this, I would kind of forget that the Realmgate Wars is just one chunk that it was going to come to yeah. an end and there was going to be something after. So, was, well, And we haven't experienced this yet. This is right. the first time we've gotten this right. where throughout this entire – since. Age of Sigmar launched, we've had a, an ongoing uh, storyline. Yeah. And it's 
been constantly adding to it and and with it comes releases of models and new new uh characters to mm-hmm. fall in love with etc um and so let's let's dig right into it i i also i it's probably one of uh, i mean it's a great capstone to the to the series for sure so let's get into it um there's a little bit of a, a preamble prior right. to get into it and it kind of just talks about what's kind of setting the stage so if you've never picked up any of the other ones yeah. picking up all gates yeah it's going to give you a little primer before you get into the story and even if you have it's kind of saying you know remember what happened before here's what it is and here's where it stands and there's a little bit in this where it'll come on this some of this is uh this preamble is actually new information and yeah. gives you a sense of the scale of these realm gate wars how long yeah. it's been going on how how broad it's spanned so so it's it, it opens with uh nine gaunt summoners each with 999 disciples yeah uh, they convene but now is not their time so it's just little ooh. <laughs> uh, sigmar and the hammers of sigmar struck down in azir yeah. um uh, first landings were on the brimstone peninsula yep. and that was the that was that box set that was yep. you know where we started and that, out and that first the gates of azir story which was yep. such a good intro yep. simple but good Helden hammer crusade recovered galmaraz yeah. we we learned that uh uh, Sigmar had been fooled by Zinch, thinking he was throwing it at uh, uh, Archeon, but it was just a mirage. Right. And so it spun through the, the realm of chaos, uh, unknown where it landed. But then they recovered it in Shaman. Uh, Alarial, uh fell into soul pod state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sigmar saw em- uh, put emissaries out uh, throughout the realms to try and find Nagash, Gorkamorka, Grugni. Yep. Um, More details on a lot of these are in those novels. You know, um, Wardens of the Ever Queen was uh, where we got to see Hilario going to that soul pod state. Um, Some of that audio drama. um, Uh, Both in, yeah, the audio drama looking for um, uh, Nagash and then War Beast um, uh, looking for Gorkamorka. There's some some of that in there. (laughs) And then the story of Shaman going into uh, finding Galmaraz is also there's a little bit of can we find uh, and and throughout the the stories seeing little signs of you know Grugni's um, people the the Dwarden. No sign of the the people themselves just the trace like they're gone without trace so hopefully we'll see something about that soon. A little fight between Archeon and Nagash. Yeah. Um, so Nagash kind of rising back up after, mm-hmm. you know, um, got his ass kicked some, some odd years ago. Yeah. Sorry. Got kicked some odd years ago. <laughs> and then uh, uh, coming back to power and, and Arcan being like, nah, I can't have that. Yeah. So Arcan steps on him pops in and hands out the beat, beat downs to yep. Nagash, which is no small feat. Yeah. And it uh, it points out some of the big things Arcan's managed to pick up to this point. He's got the Oracle Chianthus. Okay. Um, or Keathanus. Yep. Which was the one of the Gaunt Summoners? No, it was the uh, uh, Lord of Change that mm-hmm. was inside the uh, yep. Metal Orb. Yep. And uh, that was when he when he did that, he was when he wiped out the entire Hammerhands chamber. Yep. Um, and that Oracle is a real powerful thing. Now you've got one of the, the big operators who's got... He this, knows everything. Like, yeah, all-seeing you know, in his pocket. Yep. Yep. So, uh, uh, and, yeah, he wiped out the Hammerhands. Yep. Big old... You know, whooping. Yep. Dracothian uh, sent the extremist chamber. Yep. Opened the opened the doors to that, and now and, those are in play. And came to council with Sigmar, so they're kind of making plans. Yeah. Uh, Archeon has Ignax, the Solar Drake, and like I said, uh, Kyanathus. Um, and uh, um, with the pressure off because of chaos engaging Stormcast, so the chaos aren't as 
everywhere and dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greenskins are rising. Sure. And um, there's a big fight going on. Nothing greenskins like more than a big fight. So yeah. it's got and, uh, and Stormcast have a have a foothold to, to go after the Allgates. Right. And you saw this in the novels where they talk about, you know, a lot of these missions that are going on, one of their objectives was get our foothold, you know, and they would, they'd be sacrificing some of the other things that they might do, like helping out the yeah. innocent and the, all that in order to get this, you know, they, they knew what they're driving at. It was an attempt to get an all out assault on the all gates. Uh, scar. So then we get into the timeline pages and there's yeah. a, there's a ton of cool stuff here. Yeah. Um, we can go through, uh, we'll pick out a couple of these rather than uh, trying to go through all of them. Sure. Um, but uh, one big one, Scarbrand has moved to a secret location. He's yeah. popped up everywhere throughout the yeah. the stories, um, and now now he's hidden away somewhere. We should uh, we should have kept uh, most frequent guest star uh, tracker <laughs> to see because he's got to be up there. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, clouds of gold, yeah. golden flashes from the peaks of Shaman uh, decimate a chaos force. Right. Clouds of gold. Doesn't say from where, what's going on. We suspect that if there's one realm that Grungni is, it might be there. But, but if, if you imagine like, what would a cloud of gold look like? You have to be far away. Yeah. Maybe it's a bunch of air fleet. (laughs) Right. Could be. Golden air fleet coming in decimating. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Should I, should I do what some, some, I heard it here first. Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. No. And if it's wrong, then it's, you didn't no, hear it here. You, you heard know. it somewhere else. Uh, Dragon Ogre Army wiped out by Gordrak. Yeah, I, I tagged this in there because the Dragon Ogres, I think they've shown up twice now. They showed up in Wardens of the Everqueen where they got sent through the ice, and they've shown up <laughs> in a blurb here where they got wiped out by Gordrak. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there was uh, uh, well, well, you know, a couple of these. Uh, Slaneshi meet with Eshin yeah. at the Six Citadels. To purchase secrets. Yes, and we know that the Skaven in general, and the Eshin in particular, can—they're uh, everywhere. They can cut through the realms themselves. So, like those those rat holes that they had before, they're they're now extra dimensional rat holes. So yeah. they may they may know something, yeah. um, whether they're selling the truth or not. Who knows? So, um, and then uh, yeah, so those are a few of the kind of cool things, um, the little things hidden there that that you know. Some of those, some things in there we talk about in all gates, and some aren't covered in all gates, and just kind of give us a prelude. Yeah. Um, and what was you know you noticed this, and I noticed this too. Um, the one of the main artworks, uh, pieces of artwork in this book, yep. you see it a few times at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. Is these gigantic, almost like they look like giant monuments, like. Mm-hmm. As big as anything else, but they're yeah. these giant realm gates. It's one of those things that's kind of a double take because you can't really absorb the scale at first. And you're yeah. looking a little closer and you're like, man, these are massive. Yeah. And it's fun to kind of look through. And if you know the symbols, you can figure out which gate is which. But just to to look and, you know, match it up. It's just a, it's a real fun thing. It gives you an idea of what this what this uh, all gates or eight points and all that looks like. And, um, and then we get a, a brief overview of the all points itself. So originally called the all points. Uh, you have this a very, a very inclusive name. Yeah, exactly. Right, right? Yeah. a very come together kind of name. Sure, right? a nexus of trade and diplomacy. Yeah, um, and I, you know, it's it's the hub, right? I mean, it's right. like you know, it makes sense. Like you know, in in where we are in our history, you settle near um, rivers, yeah. uh, places of of travel, right? Um, where pe- people are going to be seen most often, you know, yeah. busy locations. Yeah, so, you think of it as you know, an extra dimensional port. You know, yep. trade is trade is going to pass through there between the realms. Yep. Uh, um, 
Um, and there's, you know, there, each of the gates had a city mm-hmm. in each of the realms. So in Azir at the, at the um, gate there, there was a city there. And, right. And so, um, but um, when chaos took over, obviously, Arcan was able to get a foothold and was able to um, control each of those gates. And he changed it from the all points to the eight points. Yeah. Why, why would he call it that? Uh, eight eight winds of chaos. You know that's the yeah. eight pointed yeah, the, star. The eight point. Oh yeah. oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, and uh, in in this story, then, so what's happening is, uh, um, uh, Sigmar is striking down. Yep. At every single gate at mm-hmm. one time. Right. And and all gates gives us a peek into four of those. Um, those campaigns, right? Um, and the it starts us off with Genesis Gate, yeah, which is the gate in um, uh, Garan, right? Right, the yep. realm of life. And the the overall objective on a lot of these is to close these gates because right now it's a you know if you've got a right. massive military campaign and Archaon has the ability to he's got you know the one central point he can send. Reserves wherever they're needed. You well, know? And, and to to be clear, eight points mm-hmm. is where his citadel is, where Archeon's uh, citadel is, I believe. I think that may be true. You're the Varen Spire. The Varen Spire. That's yeah. where he's set up. Kent's where we, when we talked about the Ever Chosen, yeah. uh, went through that and his, you know, his citadel with all the different places you could go and all kind of stuff. And it's got a rent into chaos. Mm-hmm. So there's a direct line into chaos, uh, the realm of chaos. Right. And so from there are pouring demons yeah. um, from any of the other realms. He can pull warriors and bring them into another realm. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it's just like talk about, then you talk about war mm-hmm. and like, you know, uh, controlling you know shipping and controlling the ability to move your army quickly to places right the eight points is is powerful yep. so yeah he's looking to close it to seal off reinforcements mm-hmm. to the the realms that he's had the most foothold in yeah or any of them if he can right um so the genesis gate is yes. the first one in garan um and it, it turns out uh, nurgle's a little depressed yeah you know nurgle is the second coolest chaos god um first coolest because one of them's missing right now but uh no he just he's, he's got interesting he can he can go through different sort of emotional you know things he, he's he's i always enjoy reading about him but and uh so he's put you know obviously he's had his chance to to take out um Alarial, hasn't been able to do it he's kind of sitting back he's kind of um shoring up what he does have he puts uh he, and he puts Glot- glotkin in charge of the genesis gate yeah, that's uh, in one of those little call-out boxes. They're some of the things I enjoy reading the most because it'll it'll drop yeah. into a single character's perspective and get a little conversation going. So a lot of yeah. times that's a little flavor text that's, that's worth. Yeah. So. Through most of the, these campaign books, the, the it's a very, uh, um, not dry, but I mean a very like matter-of-fact kind yeah, of. Yeah, sort of a here's the, here's the events, here's yep. the facts, here's the, the boxes, history. they just yeah. put a little more emotion into yeah. them, et cetera, et cetera. And then we take it back out when we read it to you as bullet points. <laughs> uh, 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 there's a amazing map. This yeah. would be a fantastic if you wanted to do a map campaign. This would be yeah. a great um, resource to use. Um, there's uh, these land shoals. Um, these floating islands look like giant jellyfish. Um, and then the the squirming heights, um, yeah. which is a mountainous range with uh, just worms. Yeah, just going all through in there. I, I just. Tagged. I love reading these maps. Just sometimes the place names are worth oh, it alone. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So. Um, 
and into as we we get into this realm, we find that uh, Ariel uh, Alariel has been reborn, mm-hmm. um, and into her war um, right. estate. Also, since she is the right hand of Alariel, the Lady of Vines is by default reborn on this. We last saw her getting <laughs> chopped into uh, kindling yeah. by. Uh, actually, uh, Torglug, the yeah. despised, before yeah, he I, got his. I bet he feels a little bad about that yeah. now. When well, they get... I mean, she's back. It's cool. It's good. Well, I mean, might it's be awkward. Yeah. Awkward when they do the do the Christmas <laughs> yeah. um, party. Secret Santa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then uh, uh, she calls a grand moot, mm-hmm. um, and and there's this like she just like her energy pours through the realm, and uh, bands of uh, all of her followers yeah. come and meet her. Yeah. Um, and and even the sons of Durthu, yes, who have, uh, you know are not really. I mean, they've kind of been banished, or yeah. you know, like whatever. And this is her new season, right? This is her war aspect is coming, so she's got to kind of reset the, reset the tone, reset the, yep. um, the status quo for Giron. Yeah, and, and call so, down the Stormcast. Uh, say, all right, it's time to talk with him. And uh, it's this interesting moment where Celestine Prime comes down. Dramatic yeah. moment, and and I didn't. Gardas isn't in this. They don't. No, him, yeah, do I was going to talk about I that. Like, I don't. Why, yeah, why didn't Gardas come? This guy? Yeah, he's he's conspicuously missing from this. I don't yeah. know if he's just. I mean, he came out and then was was killed again, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm he, trying to think of the last time we saw because him because he, he 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 died. He was um, slewn by his own. Um, because he was get, about to get shoved into the belly of a, a great yeah. and clean one, yeah. and then um, you know I think it was um, what's his name with one of his prosecutors or something or one of the judicators like shot him to kill one, him, yeah, and send him to, back, right? Um, but we haven't seen him, right? Because uh, you know his his castellan's been with her anyway. It might be the vagaries of the reforging or yeah. something. I don't yeah, know. Who we'll knows? See. But a lot of time has passed since then, so it's, yeah. it's hard to say. So the prime comes down though. Yeah. Uh, she was kind of expect. I mean, she was uh, kind of sound like she was expecting Sigmar, mm-hmm. but she's like, no, why would he? Yeah. Why would he do that? Yeah. And and then there's, but there's, he, she can perceive in the fact that the prime is there that eh, she's got to regain his trust a little bit. Yeah, well, it's not just so they say. You know, she's what the Stormcast knows that she's been reborn from this seed pod, right? And. Uh, as we've seen, she's she can be a product of the environment which she's planted in, which mm-hmm. is why they took her to this you know sort of um, monument, yeah. yeah, monument to a to a, a prior battle because we need the war, Alariel. But the question is, was there any amount of corruption in there? Yep. So is is there the risk that she's been reborn with some corruption? I also part? got a, f- a feeling though too is that that while he sought her out, mm-hmm. she also retreated from their alliance. Right. Like she br- she. She broke the band up a little bit, yeah. As did Nagash, as did yeah. others. But I mean, yeah. so there's a little bit of like, you know, hey, are we really in this? Are you back? Right, exactly. It's not. It's not instantly. Hey, everyone's friends. You know, it's a. Uh, let's let's make sure this is still going to work. Allies so. of convenience at the moment. Yeah. Um. So the the prime asks for aid in striking all the gates. Um. Uh, to the site. Uh, so he's asking her to strike all the gates of the all points. He's basically laying like, out the plan. He's okay, saying, yep. he's saying, look, like we need your help. And this is why like yep. we have to hit all the gates at the same time. You're our best bet on this yeah, one. Clean up. Not your only, house. yeah, not only, not only <laughs> do we need you, but we need you now because yep. the other, the other gates are moving and yep. it's gotta, it's gotta go forward. One of them literally. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. Uh, so, um, uh, Oak and Brow is from the land shoals, um, before the corruption and, 
kind of knows where the shimmer falls are. So that's what the 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 gate, the all gate in Garan is called, is the shimmer falls. They, yeah. So they used to be the shimmer falls. They're now called the land shoals. They're these floating islands. Um, the jellyfish that have. Yeah. So they've they've kind of got this fog around them and this poison yep. that's been in them and and then this membrane has grown around them to trap that in Oakenbrow's um, tried to it's, it was a crucial point even before and he's tried to retake it a number of times but yeah. it's always been a disaster because this this poison is just toxic to the to yeah. the sylvaneth um and so it's this huge waterfall but now it's been corrupted obviously like the other waterways yeah. it's just sludge and yeah. slime and something we've seen before yeah and never hoped to see again but here we are um and so plan is for the stormcast to fly a hunt team to seek out um the the source of this poison and whatever's tainting it and uh our buddy's in charge of that yeah tornus the redeemed he gets to lead these hunt teams and in order for them so the idea is like they're they're going to go in try and clear the source of this uh, the follow-up uh teams of sylvaneth and stormcast can can get through yeah. so they get a blessing from Illyrial, so they're resistant to these toxins so they can yep. last long enough to try and shut it down they do gotta you, go do ahead. you think tornus got to pick his own name i don't know maybe do you think uh sigmar gave it to him like a yeah that's a good question here here's your christian name like the, <laughs> like, a, oh, like a baptism sure right actually i don't know because i, I would have gone a little differently yeah Tor- yeah tornus <laughs> But whatever, right, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so they get a blessing. Uh, and then uh, Tortus goes off on the hunt. Yep. And he's, it's uh, teams of Azeros, Venators, and Prosecutors are making this up. And uh, here's another cool call-out. Talks that it's the Tornus point of view. And turns out, like, you know, he's because he's one of the, the rare few that have that were actually actively fighting for chaos before his redemption. He's still kind of on his own. Like he's still eyed with suspicion, not just by the Sylvaneth, which you would imagine, but by, uh, by the rest of the Stormcast. Yeah. It's, that's, it's, there's this interesting, yeah, it's an interesting point of wavering in faith from Mm -hmm. the Stormcast of, of one of Sigmar's decisions. Right. Right. Um, but it, but yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he was a champion before, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's been redeemed. So these teams are, are zipping around trying to find it. It's getting harder and harder to breathe, harder for them to figure out what's going on. And it, you know, <laughs> we make it. They have, to, they have to, you know, swoop low, and they're getting ambushed by things living in the swamp, tentacles dragging them down in. And uh, and Tornus notices a ripple as he's passing over. What? Yeah, and as Zero's beacon goes under, he, he notices kind of a ripple. He says, well, that's worth looking. So he goes back, goes back again goes back again he's like you know he's about to give up and he's like well give this shot (laughs) (laughs) well well here's the thing is they talk a little bit about these uh star faded arrows yeah like these lightning blessed things and like they talk a little bit later about the the six myths and that they like put special things into this but he's just like "Eh, i should probably just shoot this into the into those ripples yeah see what happens Uh, so he knocks it down, and what he thought was an island is actually a pox behemoth. Yeah, once per game, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he did before the game starts. So okay. Got uh, so, uh, and actually, because that's what he ends up he ends up being able to use later. So he's, he, they end up in a big, uh, a great big battle here. Um, huge, you know, th- this is basically this uh, pox behemoth is uh, pustral, and it's responsible for this toxic cloud. And he's a great unclean one. Yeah, some kind of, you know, they, they always have, like, the great unclean one that's bigger than any other great unclean one you've ever yeah. seen, yeah. you know, again and again. So <laughs> at least they use a different term, pox behemoth, uh, I ah. presume, you know, denotes some something else. 
level above and beyond or something yeah. but uh he does manage to um to kill this and this is kind of concurrent with some of the other things going on but uh drops drops this guy with a, a star faded arrow down the gullet but in so doing releases a very large toxic cloud yeah so he's able to break the the the, the cloud above uh, so it releases but he's able to break the overall toxicity level yeah. uh, which uh, allows the um sylvaneth to to be able to go more freely um yeah. and and fight through um let's see so that's that's basically the path is now clear to get to yeah. the Genesis Gate. Uh, yep. They give us a moment to figure out what the Genesis Gate is. Yep. We already talked about it's in this big waterfall. And then an uh, interesting point here, they talked about over 400 years ago uh, when it became corrupted, which is one of the first like more definitive things we've seen is how long the Age of Chaos has lasted. So We should probably strike that from the book so nobody can pin it down quite. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a little, it must have been a fluke. We don't want this specificity. <laughs> it uh, could be, it could be different in different realms. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, and the fortress around, um, uh, around the gate is called the, the Ring of Corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, and Glotkin rules over the Dripping Keep uh, yeah. at the center. Um Let's see, the Glocklin have been re- reinf- uh, reinforcing thanks to dire premonitions and dreams. There's seven fortresses and rivalries among them. Uh, so this is also a, a kind of a theme through the gates. It's, it's never just one mm-hmm. like fortress around the gate, like it's layers. Right. Um, and there's some really cool ways that they've done that. Um, the, the splintered spikes, mm-hmm. the Skaven, the, the um, plague rats. And, yeah. And whatnot, clan pestilence, and exactly. it's actually a, a, their fortress is a living beast that they've kind of speared in place with a bunch of warp stone spears. Which <laughs> why not? I guess. Uh, and there's a cool uh, line: black tunnels through its innards led to endless warrens below. So they're tunneling Sick. right into this thing. Yeah, pretty so gross. gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's a hint that the the Skaven are have you know schemes inside of this. You know that yep. they they are hoping to capture the lord of another castle in order to get a crucial component a spell that'll let them unleash one of the great plagues. Yeah. So, so and Glotkin is expecting them, mm-hmm. the hundreds of thousands of Skaven to be here to defend right. this gate because they've been reliable so far. So let's rely on them again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's this, there's this little thing. They have a little plan. Uh, they, we we're told specifically that they're going to backstab one person <laughs> to get this like plague, um, right. um, piece. um, uh, the flyblown who's no, who knows the oozing eye incantation is one of the, the great yeah. plagues. So Illyrio returns to the cascading path to bring her forces to besiege the Genesis gate. And she sees uh, that it has become the filth falls and and she just gets furious. And she's like, I'm not waiting. Mm-hmm. So she's not waiting for, for Tornus to get back. She's not waiting for any of the um, uh, other Stormcast to kind of r- return. Um, she just kind of goes. And I don't know if she even waits for her own. She just yeah. says, let's go. I mean, this is this is something to do with her new aspect. It's much more impetuous and headstrong. Yeah. It's probably still better than, you know, Heidi holding underneath <laughs> the, the, the giant uh, grin and clean one butt. <laughs> so um, the attack is underway, and and, um, and this is actually before Tornus can slay the, the right. pustule. Um, as they're, they're hacking in, the walls are regrowing, uh, and the Bastion of Filth, like, can't they can't get through it fast enough mm-hmm. um and the they're the sylvaneth being you know creatures of of life and and growth the, their energy is being sapped from them right um and uh but just then 
Celestine Prime arrives. Yeah. He burns away the clouds, uh, the, the demon flies, the um, and and the the Lord Grolich, uh, and shattering the bells of the Wither Hall. Yeah. Uh, they've got one of the uh, Nurgle outposts that's still holding. It's just barely able to withstand it. Uh, it's the Horn Spire, they call it. And in order for uh, reinforcements here, they Glotkin says, all right, send them in. And it's this wave of spawn, uh, beasts of Nurgle, slaughter brutes, and a, a cool thing, the Rust Legion. I like that name a lot. I yeah. think if I want Nurgle Army, that'd be high on my list of, of possible. <laughs> and then, uh, but no sign of the plague monks. So They're tapping their watches. Yeah. <laughs> sliding the slime off of the watches and then tapping them. Does right, work exactly. So... Uh, somehow somebody is surprised that the Skaven are being duplicitous, but uh, <laughs> not you know. us. Yeah, and uh, so now the Sylvaneth are you know they this huge wave of reinforcements, and some of the Sylvaneth are trying to use these you know like oh if we draw these reinforcements away, and Lyra's like nope, we're going, and so she's <laughs> again headstrong, takes that beetle and rams right into the structure and collapses it over. Yeah, and as she's moving, as she's striding, um, new growth is growing up behind her um, as the. Uh, Ward Droth Beetle is walking uh, soul pot or the seeds are dropping into the ground and and new Sylvaneth are growing out of them instantaneously. Yeah. Um, and so their own reinforcements are coming along uh, with them. And Glotkin at this point gets a it's a the um, sorcerer uh, brother gets a gets a little message uh, and it's a, a messenger drone fly. So it's, it is a cool <laughs> little moment. Like I, I just love that these are put in there, but a little three eyed drone fly comes up. He pops it in his mouth, crunches it down and says, Oh, you know, he knows the Gains message. That, yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> the Skaven reserves have arrived, but instead of going to fight the Sylvan, if they've gone straight onto the fly blown castle. So yeah. uh, Nurgle having difficulty there. So but, he knows that the Skaven aren't coming and he's yeah. seeing that, that Ilarial is growing uh, things uh, from her footfalls. And so the, he's, he sees that she has the power to to recover these um, the filth falls and purify them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's panicking. Um, all three of the brothers are panicking, especially Glot. Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> he probably eats a few things. It's like uh, stress eating, right? <laughs> right. But then he also has happy eating and he has sad eating. And he's <laughs> Just so. eating. eating. Yeah. Uh, so not yeah. only is uh, she gaining. Uh, um, allies new new uh, armament from her footfalls, but uh, she's turning her enemies into trees. Mm. Uh, and uh, um, she meets up with Ranslug. Yeah, she has a moment where she's, uh, you know, by the narrative, in danger. This Ranslug has some axe. This is like yeah. some weird name dropping going on here. So he got it. Uh, he got this axe from Festus the Leech Lord, uh, yeah. who won that axe in a wager <laughs> with Kairos Fateweaver. How anyone well, is going to like... Well, so here's yeah. the... I mean, here's the thing. Maybe it works, right? <laughs> yeah. But he totally went a little high with his... his. Uh, he's like, when he was talking about it with his buddies, like, yeah, I got this from Festus. <laughs> really, you couldn't have said, like, you know, Glodkin or like, or one of the other guys. Sure. Or, oh, he got it from Kairos. Really? You couldn't have just been a Lord of Change, like any old Lord of Change. Right, more exactly. be- Make this more believable. Yeah. Um, but who, who who beats Kairos in a gambling? Like, it's, this Kairos, Kairos is probably like this is you know, was, setting this dude up for failure or something. He's like, I know well, exactly what's gonna happen. He probably was He was probably a little sick. Yeah, Kairos was just like about to. Maybe one head was like all in, and the other head was like call, and he lost on you right. Know, well, one can see the guy. forward, one can see the past. Neither they can't can, see the present. Yeah, can't see the sure, present. So sure. there you go. Um, and so yeah, it's a, 
can can kill anything in one swipe. Yep, and he's about to do just that when uh, Man, he is. But let's yeah. imagine yeah. who he would become. What's his yeah. name? Ranslug. Yeah, this guy who we've never heard before. He's probably he'll probably succeed at this. Yeah. We'll, Ranslug, the straight up boss. I bet. We'll like we'll probably get a model for him pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the guy we've never heard of. All right. So what happens? Uh, he gets one-shotted by uh, Tornus. <laughs> so, Tornus comes zooming back from killing the Yeah, well, and, but that allows us to have Alariel and Glotkin, somebody who uh, actually is named to uh, come clash, yeah. clash at last. And We've seen uh, Glotkin in the end times, and here he's... They're, the three brothers are... are um, Pretty pretty boss in a fight. Otto managed to strike first. Um, so if we, I mean, we've introduced them before in other ones. Otto's the the warrior. Yeah. Um. Oh, what's the? We talked about uh, Glot is the Girk. Girk is the okay. Yeah. So they're the brothers Glot. Glot brothers is the Glot. last name. Uh, Girk is the big bumbly one, and then the other guy is the the magi- the wizard. Yeah. Other guy. That's other guy. <laughs> um. So Otto strikes first. And the Wardroth knocks the brothers off Girk. Mm-hmm. Son of a, son of a Girk. Uh, and Otto cuts. So Otto, you know, Ethrak. Ethrak is the wizard. Okay, yeah. not a, not a yeah. memorable yeah. name. Not a, uh, so <laughs> not like Ranslug. <laughs> <laughs> and so he comes out and he cuts off one of the the beetle's legs. Yeah. Um, and uh, then Girk wraps his tentacle arm around the beetle. Like they're just like beetle crush, yeah. yeah. You know? Just on. straight up kills it. Oh man, that's a little unexpected. So. Illyrial flutters clear, mm-hmm. Shoots a little wispy back. I'm sure uh, the the beetle turns into motes, yeah. right? Motes yeah. of light and flies back. Um, uh, and she, str- um, well, she she's got her own wings, so she flies clear right. of the flies clear of the the wreckage of her awesome beetle, and. Uh, and then uses a, a big surge of roots and shoves Glotkin right off the floating island into the, the rancid waters below. Um, and what this does, it puts the Genesis gate in Alariel's hand, so they're able to close it. And she drops a grub, and that grub instantly grows into a new Wardroth, so she's got a beetle back. Yeah, <laughs> I got my beetle back. And that is, uh, that's how the, uh, the first chapter of the All Gates, so this is happening at the same time as these other gates, but we know there's now one yep. one. Yep. More so, you've got uh, yeah. Azir and Giron. Yeah. Now. I love that that um, Tornus is in here, kind yeah. of make showing like being able to take care of business. I mean, his we saw him in um, uh, a God Beast, kind of come in and again he his personal mission to kind of take on Nurgle and yep. all that all that is and redeem himself because Nurgle stole his life away from him. Right. Um, and, uh, he does that here. Alariel is in her war aspect mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, yeah, she's, she's ready to, to raise hell and, and, um, I almost wish she could have kept on going, <laughs> send her through the gate. <laughs> um, she probably wishes she could too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so she closes the gate and, uh, there's a win. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, next up, the mercurial gate. Mercury, Ooh, where we think we're at. The most formidable yeah. of all the all points defenses is the, the iron holds. And this one is crazy. Yeah. Um, it, so it's, it is thought to be constructed by Grugni and it's 
like a series of, it's a big fortress. Right. Uh, with a number of different kind of layers to it, like we talked about. Interlocking defenses, you know, one thing But they rotate other. and they right. move and they're yeah. geared and they shift. Yeah. And so um, it becomes this, like you could you could charge the gate, get in through the front gate, get in the thing. Um, it shifts. Your That's exit's right. gone. All of a sudden you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, your you only connected. route through is to the right and into a, a big magma pit. Yeah. So even if you could think of the perfect plan, it won't look the same way, you know, partway through. Yeah. Or even by the time you show up, you know, you, yeah. you might not be where you thought it was. And the pattern of how it shifts is supposed to be unknowable. Yeah. I didn't know that, uh, you know, Grugney, Lord of Change, uh, right there. <laughs> uh, He's just a smart dude. Or architect. Uh yeah, Archeon, it took him nine times to capture these, and uh, but now he's in him. He's nine. creating improvements. Yep. So um, Sigmar was hoping to find, like, part of the reasons, and we didn't know this until now, but part of the reasons he was trying to find Grungni is, says, I need this, I need to take this place down. That probably the only guy who knows how to do it is the yep. guy who built it. But, and it's uh, probably on, like, written yeah. down on, like, a napkin. Yeah. It's probably, well, you go But here, to be fair, here. it's a dwarf napkin, so I'm sure it's made out of metal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a metal napkin. Um but uh, it, we get a little bit extra stuff about Grungni here. He, he's not been seen since he helped fashion the anvil of Apotheosis. So yeah. he helped set up the Stormcast, and then he disappeared. He built the workshop. Yeah. And he was like, I got to go on a walkabout. Yeah. yeah. And Te- uh, teach, a, teach a Sigmar to fish, you know. So <laughs> it's a stretch. Uh, well, the best things but, are. But lacking lacking the ability to get Grungni's help, they, they tried the other Duard, and they, they found the, uh, the Fire cousins. Slayers, right? Yeah. Yep. So, oh, if Grungni can't help, maybe Grimnir's children can. But, um, and they, th- like, you can't do it. They're yeah, like, you can't. No. I mean, and I wonder, I mean, to some extent, you're like, okay, they're dwarves. They should be like, yeah, we can do anything. At the yeah. same time, it's like they're go- a god built it. Yeah. Uh, one of the Dwarven gods, so it's obviously yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, and one interesting thing about the Fire Slayers, you get the... Uh, you get the consistent impression that, you know, there's some things that they're, they can get fanatical about maybe, yeah. but by and large, they're pretty practical. Like they're, you know, they're, they have that mercenary mindset. Like yeah. oh, if the price is right, we'll do it. And so yeah. I, I think, uh, I like seeing them there. A lot of times they're not as clouded by, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. a passion for something. They, they, uh, they can see things pretty clear eyed. Sure. Um, but one of them thinks it can be done. Yep. Uh, Rune Father, Hersgard Grimnir of yeah. the Greyfeard. Yeah, uh, we learn about the the uh, is it the Greyfeard in one of the the Legends books? I it could be. I don't. I would have to double check that. But yeah, forty chambers of Stormcast and a, and scores of Feards will assault simultaneously, um, and Sigmar knows they'll fail. Yeah. So there's a there's a frontal assault. That but hurts. yeah, it's just a distraction. Yeah. And uh, Thossus Bladestorm. Yeah. Yeah. Rage and, well, Sigmar Rage. Vengeance Incarnate, not Rage. Vengeance Incarnate. Um, (laughs) Character of multiple, three three or four novels now. He was in the early ones, and then he had his own feature in uh, uh, Fury of Gork, Hand of Gork. Book book eight. But um, he and the Fire Slayers will use magmic tunneling to bypass the walls. The idea is that they could send flyers. That's not going to work because it's anticipated. There's warding spells, floating mines, and webs of black lightning over this uh, fortress. But tunneling has uh, a possibility. It's been it's been thought impossible because you would have to tunnel up underneath this molten sea. So it's a thing where you'd have to get it exactly right. Uh, and and it's not just like, hey, we'll do this real quick. Mm-hmm. Like they've taken months, right, 
to tunnel. Right. Yeah, this has been going on for a while. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like in Thostis and these um, uh, these rune smiters, or not the rune smiters, the rune masters, like they, the, the fire slayers are better equipped or used to being in these kind of more enclosed spaces, tunneling under magma and all that kind of stuff. The Stormcast haven't. And mm. and not only that is I mean Thostis is going months without killing something, <laughs> right? <laughs> like yeah. like he's you're like usually killing two packs a day, right? <laughs> so he's got a two pack a day habit. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you know like there it's there's patience and mm-hmm. it's and and he's also not good at sharing stories right now. Right. He's not he's not yeah. the most personable guy. Right. Uh, but probably makes him a little more patient. I'm sure. sure. I don't know. Um, we did see some in, and I know we didn't get a chance to cover this, but he, he had some development in, in uh, his most recent book where uh, he, he softened somewhat or he's able to, you know, his, his men at least understood him a little bit better. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is this is testing even those uh, small concessions he's been able cool. to make through his reforging. Yeah. So. Um, so the idea is they're going to pop up here and they're going to be too small to, you know, solo the whole thing, but they should be able to make it to the gates. Uh, they can open the fortress gates with part of their team and the other can go to the mercurial gate and block reinforcements, uh, in time to, to get everything. The quote is, it was a desperate plan with many chances for a catastrophic failure. (laughs) So, uh, but it's like, uh, you know, it's, if you roll the six, you're good. And they do, they have perfect timing. They pop up, uh, and, it was right as the troops from the interior bastions had been called out to the gates. All those, all those doomed waves of assault, the 40, um, 40 chambers and and countless scores of feards that are hitting the outside. They've they've hit and pulled a lot of the chaos forces away from the middle, and they're gone right when Thostis. And uh, it's only this uh, Triceferix, a Zinch, yeah, sure, Zinch, <laughs> uh, sorcerer. Who starts summoning fourth horrors, but he can see this. And he's like, "No, I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get beat. I'm dead. So, I'm yeah. dead if I do. I'm dead if I don't. Yeah. But there's a fate worse than death, which is the ire of Archaon. So he's gonna give it his good old college try here. And so he goes right to the he goes right to the big guns. Yeah. And he summons forth um, shit, Argentine. Yeah. Sorry, Last I was going back to Ignax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's Argentine yeah. coming out of the molten sea. Last scene, keeping the crucible hot and gooey yeah. so that uh, those uh, the falls are protected there. But it was chased off by a Dracothian, and this is, we didn't know where Argentine ended up, but we do now. Um, and and Sigmar sees this from up above, and it shows him fist-waving <laughs> uh, in, in frustration. Um and uh, um, as Argentine goes down to sweep into um, Sigmar's uh, warriors, he blasts an island in half, but uh, Dracothian comes down, mm-hmm. the father of uh, these god beasts, um, or at least of this dragon, mm-hmm. um, comes down and intervenes. And they fought previously in yep. Shimon, and um, Argentine was able to best him pretty quickly, it seemed right. like. But here they they fight for 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 a while right so the struggle is going on while while the battle rages on below um and he did manage to get a big blast of warp fire off which is which has hurt thostas's invasion force but they still have you know it was it was a uh equal opportunity destruction because it wiped out a lot of of chaos folks too so but uh, as thostas wipes out the last of these initial defenders uh, and is able to move on to the next thing that that uh is able to Belt, you know, 
shout out a curse and promises a terrible doom for the blade storm to be to be determined if that will be true or not. <laughs> He's probably reading one of those like if you if you say the words, yeah. right? That the the universe will come and and make it so. Like I'm sure. good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, <laughs> yeah. people like me. There you go. And Thostis, you are doomed to die. <laughs> It'll work. You're going down anyway. You might as well try it. <laughs> yeah. So Thostis uh, leads off the force to head for the Mercurial Gate in order to try and cut off reinforcements there while uh, while another force hopefully opens the gates and lets in all the outside folks. Yep. And the Mercurial Gate, the bridge is mostly abandoned, but there's sentient walls with traps of blades and flames. Um, so they try and stay as close to the middle as they can because walls, living walls are, are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is... Uh, and they begin, so there's this, they kind yeah. of start getting whispers. Right. There's a, I, I, you've got a, a sorcerer here. And I think it's one of the, um, Gaunt summoners. One of the Gaunt summoners whose, whose policy is the whispered word can be stronger than steel. So it tries to start sowing discord between these fire slayers and the storm cast. I mean, pen is mightier than sword, but he's stretching it a little bit. <laughs> well, but it, he starts to see something, you know, the blade storm, like, oh, man, these fire slayers are just mercenaries. Like, what if they think they can get more reward for less risk? And mm. uh, mercenaries are seeing, like, hey, man, this is this is a tough thing that we're being put up against. Um, but they but they do recognize that they're, right, they're they getting messed out. with. They're yeah. like, you know what? We're not this weak. Right. We're not this, you know, we're, we we stick to what we've said we've got to do. We're yeah. not, you know, there's got to be something messing with us. Um, and then something with three heads arrives. Yeah. Starting I'm, with a D, ending <laughs> with an Orgar. And there you go. <laughs> Ridden by Archeon and his Varengard. And it was a cool moment. Like, you know, so at first at first I was like, oh, I wonder if this is part of the illusion. But then, you know, and Which it, would cool. it could be. It would have been, yeah. it would have been effective because when he did, like the fire, like there's this cry of dismay goes all down. Like, pe- like yeah. people are like, we're, we're doomed, like just because this guy showed up, yep. you know. Um, they said it seemed clear to any but a battle mad fool that the fire slayer's mission was no longer possible. So they're like, man, this is this is not yeah. going to happen. So yeah, and and uh, yeah, the Varengard uh, charge in the but then uh, you know a lot of the force they Thossus go back and forth about you know like um, well the Varengard are barreling down on them, but they're like you know we're not we're not going to go straight at this. Yeah, like we're not going to be. A, like we're not taking this on, right? And so they they look to retreat. Yeah. Um, and there's an interesting. You have one of these callouts we've talked about before. Uh, it's the it's Arcan uh, talking to the, the Gaunt Summoner. The Gaunt Summoner is like, oh, you know, I, I tried to get them to turn on each other. It didn't work. And Arcan says, I do not need traitors to achieve victory. He said, the ever chosen. I will do the deed myself. For those that return to the heavens, however, planting a seed of suspicion may one day bear fruit. So even in the midst of this battle, he's playing the long game. You yeah. know, he knows, like, this is an interesting way because he's he's been wanting to get into Azir for a long time, right? So, what if he can manage to corrupt these guys who are then going to get reforged? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's got that. So, yeah. uh, that was I was just like a throwaway line, but I'm like, ooh, that might. That well, it kind of goes back to you know the battle with uh, Vandus, yep. you know, and his sticking his hands through yep. Vandus's. Um, shimmering, uh, you know, blaze going back to Azir, you know, yeah. this, this this idea of can I just make little marks, yeah, like uh, scratch it, right? This might be enough to weaken it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a it's a sign of a, a pretty powerful uh, intellect for Arcan. Even in the midst of this current campaign, he's able to kind of think like, what's what's going to be the next thing? What what lays on beyond this? So, but do, you the, ever, do you think he can just sit down and enjoy a battle? <laughs> like. Yeah. 
I mean, sure. I'm probably focus, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's going to do that in a little bit here. Just <laughs> give, give, it, give it a moment or two. Um, uh, so yeah, he, he, he goes in. Um, so the, uh, you know, the chaos forces crash home and they're just totally uh, overwhelming. Um, the, are, are feared there. Um, the dead dwarven collect no gold. So, there's no sense in killing yourself. You're not going to gain anything from it. You've done this for a deal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rune father hopes to kill a summoner and that, that counts as good enough. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I, that's a, there's this yeah. interesting, like a willingness, like, no, I have an oath, but you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to fulfill this. So I just, uh, oath is no good. He's fulfilling one of the fine print. In, yeah. uh, the clause, <laughs> one, uh, yeah. One of the clauses. Exactly. Yeah. If, uh, if you can't do this, then yeah. this, yeah. Um, and he commands the rest of his feared to retreat. Um, uh, in the sky, the and, and at this point we see the, um, sorry, the um, Argentine and Dracothian are fighting yep. overhead and just flares, just fireworks. There's, mm-hmm. you know, Aurora Borealis kind of stuff going on. Um, uh, but this time Dracothian manages to get the best of Argentine and Argentine flees. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dracothian is too wounded to, to keep after him. So he retreats. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last bolt from Dracothian is avoided by Archeon. So he tries as he's like, snapshot like, away, <laughs> like a little, well, maybe little I can get Archeon shot. with this, but an Archeon, I mean, obviously, yeah, the eye of Shirian, yeah. uh, says, mm, nah, uh, but it obliterates, uh, Varengard, Dwarden, and Stormcast, hurling them over the edge of the bridge. Um, the section collapses, and only a few of the Celestial Vindicators remain trapped on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. So that bridge has been chopped in half. The gates on the other side, the Varengard and Archeon, are coming. Uh, you know. Um, but Thostis thinks, you know what, I'm just going to go. <laughs> I mean, he's been in a tunnel for months. Yeah. And he comes up, he kills, he kills a couple of things, but then he gets a chance at Archeon and he's like, yeah, I want that. And the Varengard are like, hey, look, we could, you know, we could kill a Lord Celestine like right in front of Archeon. Like this would be a cool shot at glory. So he gets to, he gets to kill a bunch of Varengard. He yeah. has to pile them up. Yeah. So. And, and Archeon's like, you know what? I'll let, I'll, I'll let this happen. Yeah. I'll play with this little, this Lord Celestine. Um, but he doesn't understand that Thostis is the man of pure Sigmar. Sigmarite. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Thostis uh, manages to slice into Dorgar. A pretty deep wound. Um, sorry. Uh, so manages to, to get a slice off on him. Um, but Dorgar gets the last word. Yeah. Um, and he crushes it. And he just gets savaged by all three of the heads. Yeah. And more um, importantly. Yeah. No blue light would ever return to his ear. No. So Thostus is in the belly of the beast. Thostus is the lostus. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, so he's gone. Thostus is gone. Yeah. Uh, end times for Thostus. Yeah. That's it. It is. Uh, and Archeon chooses to let the rest run uh, to spread the word um, of not just a battle, but of a massacre. Right. <clears throat> So, but he's, he, he's like, I can't be everywhere. I'm, I know I, I, I put my energies here. I brought a force here. Right. Um, he turns around, starts booking for the eight points, see if he can affect another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's another, that's another gate. So we got, uh, we know yeah. Azir and Giron are on the side of order 
and Shimon is on the side of chaos. Yep. So yeah, we've got Azir is the is is home base. Yeah. We've we've managed to grab hold of of Garan. Shimon's gone. And then we get a little peek. Yeah, there's two realms we don't know very much about. So I know we said I mean, we get extensive about four of these, and then we mm-hmm. get a couple more here. It says, Into the light and dark, Sigmar sent his Stormcast Eternals. But of how those wars fared, none could tell. Uh, Hish, Hayash and Ulgu were called the Mirror Realms, for each reflected back upon each other. Hayash was the realm of light. Yet to gaze upon pure truth is like staring into the sun. Ulgu, if one stares long enough upon these shifting mists, def- definite shapes could be seen or guessed upon. But were these visions real or illusory? Right. Now, this is really interesting um, that both the light and, like, pure truth and, you know, shadow and darkness, like, both are hard to look straight into. Sure, yeah. Um, which even more makes these two so enigmatic and, yeah. like, like, I, like, we get a little frustrated. We're like, why can't we learn more about these? Like, these are, yeah. of course, like... They're making them so mysterious. Yeah. Um, like that, and in that metaphor, like light, right, is bright. You know, right. like that idea of staring into a light and it's being too bright, but also like the, the idea that knowledge, like there's so much knowledge and there's so much to know um, that it's overwhelming. It, you know, something about this realm is just, you know, more than what, what most can handle. Right, exactly. Except for high elves, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the the nuts and the the suit to nuts, he sent stuff in, but no idea if anything's happened. Right. Neither side knows. No. So so none of the Black Library people could write about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> um, so then we go to the Maw Gate. Yes, the Maw Gate is in Gur. The Stormcast have been here in Gur looking for Gorkomoka. Uh, and finding just a bunch of fights instead. They've just been fighting constantly since the gates of zero open, which, whether they know it or not, may actually be them finding Gorkamorka. Like, that's that's the true spirit of Gorkamorka right, right there, is a big right. brawl. So, um, And uh, when you mentioned before these gates are moving, this one is actually moving. This yeah. is Fangathrak. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the gate. It yeah. is lodged in, uh, containing the gullet of a burrowing worm, world worm of immense proportions. Um, and attached to this guy like so these these crawler forts there's mm-hmm. six of them um that are built on the back of uh, six massive crabs and there's a there's chains to the the fangathrak mm-hmm. tied to then the crabs and the crabs are all struggling to hold this thing in place so it's you know it's kind of like um uh kettle rustling or like you know you got a bunch of these you know, if you got a bunch of people on horses with ropes and you're trying to bring this bull down, right? Everyone's right. roping it and trying to get it down or, you know, any other kind of beast hunt. Only instead of horses, it's gigantic crabs. Instead yeah. of cowboys, it's giant fortresses. And instead of a bull, it is a giant world worm. Right. Metaphor complete. Um, and it, um, it uh, the crabs used to hold the, the fangothrax in, in place. Um, you know, and it and just kind of like attention enough attention to like keep it from moving, um, but now it it rests. It got away. It, it snapped. It it got away. It, and now it rests at the edge of the Death Gorge, mm-hmm. where Orc War Clans have converged. This is another really cool map of like these, like 
Like these gigantic beasts have laid here and died. Like right. there was a huge beast battle, right. and they all died, and all of their skeletons are laying here right next to each other. Right. Um, uh, they're <coughs> excuse me. So we know that the the chaos uh, that are on these crawler forts, you've got a bunch of bloodbound, but there's also some slanesh e forts on here, and it doesn't go into every single one. But you've got so it's not a it's not just a it's single not like all four of them, right? There, but exactly. It's not a singular. Um, but uh, the so there's there's a big brawl going on here. The the um, iron jaws are uh, are jumping this, and they they've made a habit of like trying to track this, right? They like. So we're we're gonna we're gonna jump this winter because wherever it pops up, there's gonna be a sweet fight. So as soon as we figure out where it is, we'll go we'll go uh, fight it uh, or fight the forces trying to uh, trying to defend it. And uh, so the cord bloodbound Lord uh, Hackadron is running this, and he's he's got a a big juggernaut that he's riding, and he ends up going up against Megabod Dakbad, who gets a call out. Like Dakbad is apparently like a Particularly cunning yeah. Iron Jaw, suspiciously yeah. cunning, suspiciously according to his. his uh, we should uh, probably <laughs> should probably remember this. Yeah, <laughs> probably put a note down about it. Right. <clears throat> um, and uh, he's Dakbat is out number four to one, so he's like, "Well, I can see his Bloodbound are going to charge right at him, and normally we'd just charge right back, but I got a I got a trap, and uh, it's the Def Gorge, which has a pretty mm. cool legend. Yeah, so the legend of the Def Gorge." <clears throat> Is that a mega boss had complained to Gork about not having enough monsters to fight? Little whiny. Uh, so the god carved a big canyon in the ground with his toenail and shook out a massive bag of gargants into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a little bit of justice considering that gargants have that rule where you stuff can just stuff things in a bag uh, or in your pants. Uh, and so this is just uh, apropos that gargants actually come from. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gorka's Gorka uh, bag. bag, yeah. Um, and now an orca orc can prove how tough he is by going from one end of the gorge um, to the other without getting eaten. I think not getting eaten is a really good bar to set. Yep. <laughs> oh, they call it the death blitz. But then there's this uh, there's this argument about what constitutes getting eaten. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I guess like if your if your arm gets chomped off, like does that count as not getting eaten? Like they they have, it's a it's a cool. Uh, Philosophical argument that you would only get in an auric camp. So. Yeah. Uh, so as Dakabad and Hakadron are about to meet, the Stormcasts arrive. Yeah. Lord Selston. Now, this isn't Timon from from Lion King, is it? <laughs> Timon. Let's say Timon, so right. it doesn't it sound so much, much better. better. Yeah. Uh, of the Tempestus Lords yeah. or Tempest Lords, um, and had already slain. Uh, well, had already been slain in Gur one time. Um, uh, and so Hackadron and Dakabad are about to go at it, but then the shinies, yeah. the new shiny ones come, and uh, uh, they say, go after the shinies. Yeah. Um, now, the Iron Jaw clans are pressed back into the enormous mob under the skeleton of, of the Gigadroth. The Gigadroth. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I do like, I will say, I do like, instead of dragon, yeah, the the word droth. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, I sure. like droth. The the a war droth beetle. Like yeah, just this the word for big. Yeah, right. Um, so we're good. Uh, the giga droth though has mm-hmm. to be the biggest. <laughs> the 
these so far. <laughs> um, the blood madness of Vargas, the sinewed herald, infects the orcs, driving them into a frenzy. Right. Uh, they start brawling with each other. So, man, why, why are they always creating chaos? Um, but they're so ferocious that chaos are forced to, to watch from atop yeah, the crawler like, forts. They're like, oh, get in between those damn. dudes, yeah. Um, huge brawl draws uh, more and more orcs. The nature of orcs fighting is that it brings more orcs in, so... Um, Stormcast and Chaos struggle across the crawler forts um, to get to the Maw Gate, and neither realize the tide of orcs is growing dangerously high. Like, right. like you said, that we're just calling more and more of them to right. this uh, to this place. Uh, and soon, the storm that had raged over Fangathrak since the arrival of the Tempest Lord, so one of Sigmar's storms, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it changes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it turns into a greening green face um, uh, up in the clouds. Uh, so that's a little ominous. Mm-hmm. That's a little, uh, like you mentioned, where the fight is. That's, there's Gork. Right. He's up in, too bad he's up in the clouds, though. That's tough. That's yeah. a tough one to get to. Well, maybe not for Sigmar. But he's just not looking there. Right. Okay. Uh, so Oryx settle on a plan. Race to the top. Yeah. The Slaneshi general, the, the flayed fort, leads uh, the defense and... Um, he looks out at what he what he's saying and says, it was as though the horizon was hauling itself over the edge of the world and coming to hack apart the defenders. <laughs> it's like, got my work cut out for me here. So uh, so Iron Jaws crawl right up the side, toppling towers and walls. So um, Dakabad and or Dakabad and uh, Sinlesha yeah. duel in the courtyard. <clears throat> the crawler fort stumbles and the others struggle to restrain the shifting maw gate. Yeah. So, I mean, they need all six of these here. Um, and you know to have one of them kind of start to to shift and and go down. The Slaneshi forces are confused as the orcs turn around and fight each other to get down from the hard gotten gains and go barrel off elsewhere. Yeah. So they're not even finishing it. They're like, well, well we yeah, this was good enough. Yeah. So yeah, these these big green eyes glare down at the brass and blood forts, which is must be saying like, these are the ones you want to get. And they're like, cool. You know. So there, there's no like. You know, dedication like, oh, let's finish this off. Like, nope, that's where we're going there. That's where the good fight is. And so the Slanish defender's like, what? Yeah. Like, but on his way out, Dakbag gives a good old headbutt to Sinlesha, knocks him down. Uh, we also learned that one of the mega bosses, this is actually not the first time this has happened, it happened in the novels too. Uh, but one of the mega bosses is a gaunt summoner in disguise. And he's been trying to turn them on the Stormcast. But, uh, well, that's, and that's, I think that's Dakbag. The, the suspiciously cunning. Mm, Isn't that who be. it is? Break for a second, is it? You don't want to look bad on the air. <laughs> uh, Let's see. Give me the chapters. Don't worry, I'll edit this out. No, I got this. <laughs> I think we're making good time. Yeah. I think it's Redneck or Redrick. Dakbad got to just be cool without having to have been. So he was just cunning of his own volition? Yeah. Let's see. Redrick gave a final look at his advancing army, then sure that no one important was watching, shook off the unpleasant or unpleasant auric shape. So Redrick. Redrick. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go back to 
So what did you say about that? Uh, let me pull up the notes. I'm probably just... Let's see. Headbutt Slanesha. Yeah. Oh, snap. So it turns out one of the mega bosses, Redrick, who's been one of these three... Um, they keep getting mentioned in this as, you know, fighting each other and then surging forward against the other side. It turns out he's been a gaunt summoner. And uh, this gaunt, you know, he's like, ah, head off that way. And then changes from the unpleasant shape of a, of an auric and uh, his opinion on trying to control the aurochs is that they're harder to control than a herd of chaos spawns. Yeah. So, yeah. so he'd been trying to direct them towards the storm cast yeah. and, and, and get them off um, but wasn't like the not quite happening. Um, now Gordrak is coming. Yeah. I love that he gets mentioned here. Uh, and all the I mean all the all the big ones I mean glockin has been mentioned Scar no sorry I almost said his name before it was time, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know we we get all the all the players are here, Archeons yep. here, yep. etc. Um, I got summoners. So Gardrek is coming uh, in a ramshackle fleet made of toppled idols and tents. Yeah. Um, Talador, the Knight of Zeros, goes uh, to be an emissary, bowing low, and he gets chopped in half. <laughs> <laughs> so so Gordrek's just like I don't. Yeah. I don't. This is not what I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do one thing. Not my jam. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Gordrag barrels right towards the Hunger Woods, where Bloodbound and Stormcast are locked in combat. Um, Tymon uh, saw the second vast orc army approaching and knew he would soon see his ear again. Yeah, there's a, there's a little like, okay, yeah. <laughs> gonna do Impossible that. Impossible odds. Here yep. they come. Uh, so chaos reinforcements pile in from the gate. Um, there's this. I mean, it's a massive three way fight. Uh, Dakbod gets to smash uh, Sinesha, uh, uh spine into a rotten branch. Yeah. Like a rotten branch, like sorry. A rotten branch, yeah. uh, Tempest Lords are struggling towards Fangathrak when Gordrak lets out a booming wall and all beasts obey his will, including Fangathrak, who snaps free. Yeah. And begins burrowing down once again. So the, all of the, the crab things just are no longer holding this thing down. I'm sure they were controlled by him as well. Like they're not fighting him. Right. He snaps the 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 cords and burrows away. Thanks, Gordrak. Yeah. <laughs> just we were doing fine. Yeah. We were gonna get this gate. He's like, no, I'm just gonna. I don't even know what's here. I don't even know what's going on. Don't even care. Don't even care. I'm just fight. gonna. I'm just gonna yell, yeah, yeah. and shit's gonna go down. Um. So yeah, the 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 Fangathrak is gone. Uh, burrows down and is like they who knows where it's going to pop up again right ah, so all chaos all stormcasts are wiped to the man mm-hmm. uh, the scar the scarlands are devastated and Gordrek doesn't even dwell on his victory yeah just start looking to the next yeah. fight like he doesn't I don't think he knows what he just did right it was yeah. just show up and fight like he didn't know that there was an all gate thing happening yeah. like nobody invited him to that party well I'm here to kick ass and well, chew gum, Sigmar and I don't was, know what gum is. So. Sigmar was going to invite him, but he cut his dude in half. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's just and, – and that's where Gork's following uh, – sending him, though. Like, yeah. he's just saying, like, maybe Gork knew exactly what was happening, yeah. right? But to that extent, if that gate is tunneled underneath, while Sigmar doesn't have it, neither does, does Chaos. Right. They don't know where it's going to be. And, so, yeah. I mean, is that a win? Yeah. <laughs> is that a win? Well, oh, is that a win? Time. Draw. <laughs> draw. Draws are hard in yeah. Age of Sigmar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Then we move over. We get a little word on the end gate. Yes. In the realm of Shash. Yeah. Guarded by Gothizar, which is uh, the, it's sort of like the uh, fortress that would, would be around it. And, uh, and uh, stepping up to the plate are the anvils. Anvils that held him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they are waiting on the gash to help them out. Yep. We saw them in um, Lord of Undeath. They had a little cameo in Balance of Power uh, where they're marching forth, where the uh, uh, Hallowed Knights had not successfully gotten a promise from Nagash. These guys did. Um, now, that promise, it turns out, is not worth a whole lot, which, again, should not be surprising to yeah. anyone who. Long knows did them. the anvils of Heldenhammer await their oath bound allies. When the armies of the dead did not arrive, the Stormcast attacked alone. They fought like heroes, but there could be only one ending. Shyish is the land of ending, even for promises and oaths. Mm, especially those. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Endgates did not go in their favor. Now, if, if death could have helped out, you know. That yeah, been- might have. I mean. And I'm guessing that Nagash thinks that uh, he's got this on lockdown. Like maybe, if he, maybe you know, he's maybe got a plan. Yeah. So now here's the thing, though. I mean, like the rumors, right, are that Nagash boned the the alliance previously. Oh, good, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's doing it again. Like yeah. even if it wasn't him before, let's say it wasn't. Yeah. But I think we've learned that it was. But <laughs> but say it wasn't. Like yeah. he's preposterous. Right. Like he did it this time. Yeah. Right. Like, come on. Anyway. All right. There's a super cool picture of the uh, the fortress itself here and where it's uh, talking about it. Um, just really epic in scale. You got some prosecutors flying over just to give you that sense of size. It's, uh, I don't know, another one of the great pieces of art that make reading these books so much fun. And this one has such epic pieces because these, the, these are the all gates. These are yep. the biggest, like, most important yep. places in all the realms. Now, the Realm Gate War started in Akshi. That was where the uh, Hammers of Sigmar first touched down, and that's where that's where the, the book is going to wrap up. Yeah, We're gonna go into it's the, apropos. Yeah, beneath mm. the Arc of Flame. All right. So closing Akshi from the all points would be, I mean, of all of the gates, right, mm-hmm. this one would be a pretty huge. Right. Um, well, it would be a big blow to corn. Uh, actually is where, like you said, is where our story started. Um, and this is where the first touchdown was. Um, and as hard as Sigmar, uh, has it as hard as Sigmar has been fighting here, the corruption wasn't slowing down and we needed to, he needed to do something drastic to, mm-hmm. to even make actually viable. Um, and so closing this gate had to happen. And <clears throat> previously there was a city state of Bellicose. It was a heartland of, of the, the, the realm's greatest nations. Twelve tribes built the city around the Brimfire Gate. They were felled in the Battle of the Burning Skies, which is now called, this area is now called the Fell Barrens. Skull pyres as far as the eye could see, um, brass mountains, uh, and Corrin with his own sword mm-hmm. um, sliced through the earth and created a black abyss that pours right into the, uh, nothing. Um, and then between that rent and the Brimfire Gate are eight fortresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what Sigmar wanted to do. Now, so this fortress has a bunch of wards mm-hmm. and stuff to it. So Sigmar wants to take, well, first of all, Vandis is going, right? Mm-hmm. All of the hammers of Sigmar are going because this is where they started. And 
um, the, uh, a lot of strike teams of prosecutors mm-hmm. led by Night Venators and Night Azeros, and they're going to go scout ahead. Um, they've got they've got three jobs: scout ahead and keep the enemy's attention, so distraction. Strike down enemy leaders with their lightning blessed weapons. Yeah, right. Their star faded arrows or whatever they have. Um, and and we learn about those six smiths and and kind of that all of all the weapons are blessed, but these ones are have special chained lightning into them. And then they have these special things called storm callers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can throw those down in an area um, in a spot, then Sigmar can reach that spot through the wards um, and send Stormcast directly to where that is, mm-hmm. so we can get past the wards. So they've got kind of, I mean, they've, that's a big job. That, and they're, you know, these are not uh, the most durable of the Stormcast. Right, exactly. Um, but they've got to get through. <coughs> um, now, they're, here's the eight fortresses. So we're going we're gonna to get some story through them, but uh, there's these eight fortresses. Now, I have, to, I have to stop here for a second. When I was a camp counselor, yeah. there was a story we would tell. Yes. Okay? It's a story I would tell about uh, a priest. Okay. Who was sitting out in the woods. And one night, he heard a big howl. Okay. And he went towards the howl. Yeah. And he uh, he finds this big castle. Right? And he goes and there's a door. Okay. Opens, it's an iron door. And he opens the iron door. And then behind the iron door is a brass door. Mm-hmm. And behind the brass door is a gold door. And behind the gold door is a, is a green door and a red door and a blue door. And then there's a, a black door and a yellow door. And, yeah. And then there's like a... a like those bead doors, like in the seventies, yeah. and then there's like um, a glass cube door, and then there's like a like a library shelf that you pull a book, and that door swivels around, kind of okay. door. Um, well, then, and then there's it gets down, and then there's a maze. He gets through all the doors, and then there's a maze. Mm-hmm. And then he gets through the maze. He goes left and he goes right, and then he goes left again. And then there's a right, and then it goes straight for a while, and then it goes left and goes right, and then it goes straight there for a little while, and it, he thinks he gets spun around, but then he finds another left and he goes through. Well, finally, he gets to the end, and he see you know. T- t- anyway, it goes on longer. This, is, I mean, you, you really milk it. Yeah, really milk it, and yeah. you get to the end, and and uh, you know he sees this thing that was howling. He lets out a huge howl, and he sees it, and it scares him so much that he runs back out. Yeah, runs back through the maze to the left yeah. and right, and then straight, and then left yeah. right, yeah. and then back through all the doors. And he talks about all the doors again. Yeah, and the and the kids you're telling it to are just getting like they're all these doors, and I, you know, he's like. And he gets back to like his village, right? And they said, "What do you see?" And there was some BS thing about you had to be a priest. So like, I can't tell you because you're not a priest. And the kids just like throw up their hands. And like, <laughs> you spent this whole time telling us this story, and that's and what we're about we got, to do. We can't so, tell you the rest because. <laughs> yeah. So that that reminded me. There's eight these eight fortresses. All right, so there's the, here's the, here's the eight fortresses. You're gonna get them in your head. The Pyre Vault Redout. Okay, right. is this first kind of weak fortress? Right, this is where the the new new recruits go. Yep. There's the Keep of Scrathax, who's a bloodthirster. There's the Volkstroya Keep. There's towers amidst active volcanoes. There's Alcatar, a castle of screaming death. Rage demons have been bound into the walls. There's the Dreadgate, full of red spikes. There's the Blood Skull Fastness. I don't know what the word fastness means. It's like a fortress sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. It's not the fastest. 
<laughs> the fastness. Fastness. Uh, there's the blood comb, a monolithic, monolithic walls, iron-bound walls of magma. And then there's the great skull hold. And behind that is the brimfire gate. So those are the eight, and then the Brimfire Gate. Guess who is at the Brimfire Gate? Davey, you'll never guess. I'll never guess. Who could it possibly be? Scarbrand! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so chained to the Brimfire Gate mm-hmm. through these huge brass chains forged by Corn himself mm-hmm. is Scarbrand the everywhere. The everywhere. <laughs> Wherever he's needed. And yeah. uh, so, it, and it's taken all, all of the gaunt summoners to summon him here. And we read that little snippet at the beginning of the book. He's been secreted away yeah. to the Brimfire Gate. And this is it. And he's, these chains are long enough, though, that he can pace all right. around this gate. Yeah. Go wherever, but uh, he cannot break them. Um, and so they go into a little, they talk a little bit about him, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you want to, I mean, I think a lot of us know about Scarbrand. We've yep. talked about him in little bits. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about him, you know, being a lieutenant, rising against corn, trying to, uh, Zinch whispers in his ears, gives him pr- too much pride. He levels his axe at corn and barely dents the armor with his mighty blow. Uh, and with a backhand, he sends, uh, Scarbrand through all of creation. <laughs> um, shreds his wings, shreds his wings. And, uh, and so, uh, hit so hard that his mind became void of free will and was left uh, with only rage. But in this form, kind of the the twist is that in this form he serves corn way more in in more ways than he did when he had his own mind. Um, And when he needs to, he just picks up Scarbrand and drops him someplace else. That's why he's everywhere because corn just... His favorite little toy now. Um, And... uh, Arcan requested Corn to fashion a brass chain. So this is at, at Arcan's behest. Um, he's chained at the wrist and the ankles. Now, um, we get this advancement. We get a little bit of story. So all these um, prosecutor um, strike forces are zooming over, and they've, they've been sent at different places. They're zooming over trying to you know shoot different things out or whatever and mm-hmm. into the, the Brimfire Gate so that this final spot, um, Knight Venator Godrek Truebolt and his strike team um, managed to get into the Brimfire Gate, so around us, this far deeper part. Um, and uh, Scarbrand's emanating waves of rage caused the Stormcast to kind of, like, so we talked about how not tough yeah. prosecutors are. So they decided to become kamikazes <laughs> and just dive in and just try and fight hand-to-hand and, right. and that sort of stuff. Um, but Godrek is able to kind of keep some of them, you know, back. Um, and so some of them are keeping his attention while Godrek tries to um, loosen the chain. So they're coming over here um, distracting Scarbrand, and then um, some uh, liberator with a big great sword comes and tries to hack at the chain. And right. it doesn't happen. Right. Um, and so finally Godric takes out his star, his, uh, lightning blessed weapon, star faded arrow, and he, uh, shoots it at one of the, the, uh, links and it bl- blinding light, but it doesn't break. Right. But it uh, is molten hot. Right? It is. And it's weakened yeah. and Scarbrand oh, ranked, <laughs> you know, yanks it out and he is, uh, he's let free, but, 
Uh, and he tears off, you know, gets the other chains, and he's got. So he's still got these chains att- attached right. to these huge, you know, those brass ones that were forged by Corn yeah. uh, himself. Yeah, that are now weapons. Yeah, now he's <laughs> Rathmonder Scarbrand. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's whipping that chain around. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Godric questions the decision he just made yeah. uh, the instant before. Yeah, <laughs> he's sent back to his ear. <laughs> um, and so. Um, uh, the the Godric Stripe Force has uh, gotten in, freed Scarbrand, um, and he just starts just killing everything in sight. All right, let's go back outside for a second. This is just important to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sigmar's uh, army um, uh, crossed the uh, eight castles, threw down their storm collars, and he's able to. Um, so more than any other place, he's sent the most uh, chambers here, right. and he empties. Uh, all of his ear. He empties all the, the, um, what you call it? Garrisons. Right. And his ear was silent for a minute <laughs> <laughs> until the Sigmar, uh, until the bell, um, the bell of lamentations begin to ring. Uh, Sigmar, uh, the Sigmar bellum was holding its breath in anticipation and blue flashes started shooting back. So, um, so on the attack, Let's see if I've got this uh, fire slayers pop up. Yep, they're at coming the, in to the redoubt. You mm-hmm. have the entirety of the hammers of Sigmar. You have nine extremist chambers from six different storm hosts. Star drakes are all up across the skies, uh, um, and they're able to come down everywhere except in the skullhold because Godric forgot to throw down the storm collars. They got overwhelmed uh, by they, the rage of Scarbrand. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. We will. They were busy brawling. But they were it managed to get in and uh, do something, but they didn't get the Stormcrawlers, so he couldn't put anything there, mm-hmm. um, which would have been a really sweet ace in the hole, right? Yeah. Although anyone <coughs> popping up from those would be a little... Oh, my goodness. They'd pop up and like, oh, Scarbrand's here. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Chain yeah. to the face. Yeah. Um, uh, so the words remain there. And so waves of army... Um, and, and waves of army started pouring through the eight points. Because uh, Scarbrand is there, they're frothing. Their pulse is pounding. They're screaming. There's total anarchy and carnage um, as they enter the Skullhold. And Scarbrand just starts smashing them. So reinforcements are coming through the Brimfire Gate. Mm-hmm. And before they can you know, uh, just... Yeah. <laughs> Scarbrand just like, <laughs> just like, I'll take you, yeah. and I'll take you, and I'll kill you, and I'll kill you. Um, and so, but this is building up so much rage that it's pouring over into the Seventh Gate. And the strongest willed uh, stormcast leaders could uh, had a hard time holding their troops, um, and otherwise people were just piling into each other, just charging and fighting. Um, slaughter priests and wrathmongers uh, started exploding with with the <laughs> right when you're already pretty angry and you get angrier. <laughs> um, but a few yeah. absorbed it and just became powerhouses. Um, blood letters were materializing out of the red mist and flesh hounds out of rents in reality. Um, and then, you know, something started to move around the seventh and eighth gates uh, and writhe. Uh, a little somebody called Ignex awoke. Right. Whew. Last scene in super cool art uh, flying yeah. behind Archaon. Yeah, God Beasts. Yeah. So this is the, the ace in the hole. Um, he couldn't, you know, Archaon himself couldn't be here. Uh, in the last place in Shaman, he showed up and uh, and uh, Argentine was there, so he had two. And so here he's leaving it to, to Ignax and Scarbrand, right? Yeah. 
pretty good one-two combo. <coughs> yep. Yeah. Now they talk a little bit about uh, Vandis, and mm-hmm. we get a couple of things we've not heard before. Like, so when when um, when the warrior that became Vandis was um, taken when mm-hmm. reforged. It was noted that no one had ever passed through the reforging so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was so eager to get back into the fight. He was the first Stormcast to tame a Drakoth. He won his hammer, named Heldenson. Um, the hammer hands topped were like the top undefeated in the Gladiatorium Wars, which would be a fun campaign in and of itself, by the way. That's Get a true. bunch of Stormcast uh, armies together and just yep. do the Gladiatorium. Um, uh, He's the, he was the tip of the spear at the start of the Rome Gate Wars. He reclaimed Galmaraz. He fell at the hands of Archeon. Uh, and when reforged, it talks a little bit about this. He's reforged. Uh, Sigmar calls to him. He says, I'm going to give you more power. Mm-hmm. And so he puts a little bit more of himself into, um, into Vandus this time around. And he's, of all the, you know, different Celestins and characters who have, you know, thought about memories of the past. Mm-hmm. He's played with visions right. of the future. And early on, cause he was the first one of the Lord Celestins that we got to look at. We weren't sure if that was, you know, something that all of them went through and Gardas yeah. had a little bit of it, but yeah, it's, it, it's fairly unique to him. It sounds like. And it says as he's um, kind of wrapping up this little diatribe about him is that he is a step closer to unlocking his potential. What does that even mean? <laughs> More Stormcast in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody's got to be Lord Commander at some point, right? That's position yep. is yet to be filled. All right. So we're going we're gonna to rush. We're going to learn about how, how this unfolds mm-hmm. gate by gate. The Pyrevault Pyre Redout falls with uh, the Heaven Host Warrior Chamber of the uh, Hammers of Sigmar. They had to pay Fireslayers Urgold when their diplomacy failed. Worth it. Vostarg, Volturung, and Dermtarg Lodges are present. Nice. Uh, their uh, rune masters melted the gates, just yeah. um, and uh, stormed into the Scrathax Keep. When they arrived at the Scrathax Keep, <laughs> they find Lord Celestin Imperius mm-hmm. there battling with uh, Scrathax himself. And here it describes really cool stuff about the, the fulminators uh, charging and tempesters tempesting. <laughs> um, and uh, Scrathax is his body is ruined uh, atop a tower and it tumbles down to the ground and pounded by Imperius's hammer named Grolhud. And there's, this is worth mentioning. Like, it's just cool. I haven't read all the fiction in all of the different battle tomes mm-hmm. yet, but uh, Lord Imperius has like a little cameo in the bone splitters thing. Mm-hmm. He's on this mission and there, you know, it's this uh, extremist chamber or going on this bridge and they're on some very important mission, which is presumably is this hunt? one. What's going that? on a troll hunt on a bridge? No, no, no. I mean, like a big star bridge, and the, the okay. bone splitters oh. are running underneath. Like, oh man, if we could only figure out how to get them down, you know? <laughs> and and they do, and uh, <laughs> and so they ha- there's this, you know, there's a big, <coughs> big brawl, and uh, some of the some of the um, extremist chambers sacrifice themselves because, like, Lord Imperius, you got this really important mission. Mm. Doesn't say what it is. Well, apparently, it is coming it's here coming to here. the. Uh, um, and so after after felling uh, Scrathax, they you know kind of the growing army now is running to the Volkstroya Keep, and the volcano's columns of smoke, lava is pouring into the black abyss, and Ignax bre- lifts his head over the the, uh, the the gate, 
and just breathes fire into the space and thousands die instantly. Mm-hmm. Now pouring into the space, but not, not imperious. Pouring into the space are Rune Father Borgrimnir and uh, his uh, Rune Smiter Dork Claimblade. And we'll remember them from God Beast because they were the ones. So it was um, Rune Father Borgrimnir whose son had smote the rune onto Ignex. Right. And Doric was holding on to the Golden Sigil. And as they see Ignex, they know that if they get can get close enough, mm-hmm. um, Doric will be able to exert his will over Ignex. Yeah. It's lucky we didn't actually send uh, accidentally send these dudes to like the realm of metal and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, uh, and so, uh, you know, they talk a little about how Ignax, you know, a little bit about Ignax in the past and, uh, um, the, the rest of the fire slayers and others are quickly moving through the Volstroya to, to Alcatar, um, Alcatar's castle screaming death. Um, we look in here and Ignax has silenced everything, mm-hmm. even the demons bound into the walls. Um, and they moved swiftly, uh, through this part into the dread gate. When we get to the dread gate, <laughs> when we get to the dread gate, Vandis is holding his hammer hands, um, uh, kind of keeping them from uh, going mad with rage. Um, uh, their shield wall is holding the judicators are judicating, uh, and they're being a disi- discipline machine. Um, now, as they move into the blood skull fastness, yeah, so th- they get into the blood skull fast. They're there the fastest into the fastness. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the skies are burning. Um, and But, but the, but the Stormcaster in their Sigmarite armor, they're fine. Fire Slayers are fine. Uh, the Blood Reavers would probably be the ones that would be hurting the most, but they're so... They're pretty angry. Pretty yeah. angry. They're not even worrying about it. It's an it. approved treatment for heat injury, hyperthermia. <laughs> Just get really mad. <laughs> Just be get good. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there uh, we meet Lord Carr, Butcher of the Twelve Tribes. Now... We, if you remember, the city that once stood here was founded by twelve tribes, and so he is the butcher. He is the one who mm-hmm. um, took the um, um, took that city, raised it, and built these uh, eight gates. Um, and it says he's a tactical match for Vandis. Um, and they come to what seems to be a stalemate until um, Car's hidden. Re- he has some hidden reserves. Uh, which include wrathmongers. Yay. So uh, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Um, and uh, Vandis is struggling to restore order to his troops when Ignex comes swooping in. Um, but we got a little surprise for you. Borg Grimner and Doric climbing the towers with uh, 12 of the Auric Hearthguard reach higher. Mm-hmm. And they're managed to get close enough to Ignex. Doric cries, I have her. And he says, arise. And Ignex is fighting to hold on to her own control, control of herself. Mm-hmm. But reluctantly, she, she succumbs. And, uh, and now they're here to rescue. Um, and so they, uh, doesn't say this exactly, but. And this is where this part of the book kind of jumps around a little bit. So I'm trying to bring some order to it. But um, this battle ends pretty quick. Right. And so I imagine a lot of um, Lord Carr's uh, force in this part of the keep are just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gets, he retreats. Yeah. He, he, he 
dodges backs off. You know, once once he no longer has Ignax, he's like, oh, I'll back up. I I should have reinforcements yep. just on the other side of this uh, rimfire gate here. So he jumps back to the blood comb keep, which is the yep. next one, and he shuts the doors, and um, he uh, backs up. Then starts Sorry. releasing liquid hot magma. Yeah. So the, the blood comb keep is the one that has the um, the magma walls, and he seals the the gates. The the Magma bond walls and the magma begins to flow again. Vandis and the and uh, his uh, everybody find Borgrimner and Doric claimate and they find out about the rune and they find out how it works. But they see Doric, and he's aged centuries in instances, um, and it looks like he's like Dwarden, even to the end, are sturdy people, but mm-hmm. he is weak and he's yeah. he's he's kneeling. And so there's not much time. We don't have Ignax much longer, right? And so um, Doric commands Ignax to b- blow a hole through the blood comb gate. Mm-hmm. And it takes him three times to wrestle with Ignax's will. And right. finally she turns her head, blows a hole 30, 30 stormcast wide, basically. Yeah. So our measurement in a number of these books is how many stormcasts can stand side to side. <laughs> <laughs> through that hole, yeah. through that wall, through that, that path, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, from inside the hole come chaos, uh, yeah. uh, armies to fill that hole. So now we get to the battle of hell breach because we're breaching hell. Yes. It's very like you do. Like you do. <laughs> when you, Hey, when, when in hell breach it. <laughs> um, so this now, so they pour, um, Vandis and the whole, um, alliance here is pouring into this, this mm-hmm. breach. Um, and it, it's hours of grueling battle. And uh, finally, um, they get a push from the extremist chamber to, to get pushed through into this. And um, when they get to the other side, um, they f- are surrounded by Lord Carr. Mm-hmm. He set up, um, a, I mean, you come out of a small hole, what do you expect? Right. Right. Uh, they've got a lot more space to maneuver and be around. Um, <clears throat> and Lord Carr is on a juggernaut. And we know that Corn Lords and juggernauts are pretty good. <laughs> Or Chaos Lords on Juggernauts are pretty good. Um, and he's got his army awaiting Crimson Guard, and they've surrounded him. So the battle rages on and on. Um, but Lord uh, Celestant Imperius uh, and his Star Drakes um, of the Drake Sworn Temple, Nova, uh, they come in and they Nova Surge, and tons of Crimson Guard die by the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And Imperius challenges Carr. Yep. And this is where it's pretty cool. I mean, you figure like Vandis would have challenged him, but no, Imperius is like yeah. impatient, Imper- yeah. impatient Imperius, yeah. and as everybody calls him. Uh, and so his Star Drake Loxia, um, they they kind of push through and they make it all the way over to Car. Loxia grabs Car's Juggernaut um, and hurls him like this big brass box right. uh, yeah. <laughs> into the air. It dies on impact but just smashes a bunch of other things and kills them. Yeah. Um, Carr manages to jump free. Yep. And uh, parries. And then cuts Imperius in half. <laughs> what? In the end times it was cutting heads off. Here people get cut, cut in half. half. You, I I was a little surprised. Like, Imperius I'd heard of before in other yeah. books. Carr, Carr was new to me so I figured this is another. Right. It's another uh, what's his name? Right, Rod, that we didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. The, the oh, also memorable Rod, <laughs> with, Rod, with his, Rodgrid, Rod something. Yeah, sure. He's kill yeah. anything X. Yeah. Um, but no, Car, Car's a boss. And uh, I mean, it was, it was cool. You're just like, what? <laughs> <coughs> but 
as soon as this happens, we find out that, oops, um, Ignax's uh, fire had cut a hole into the skull bane um, uh, door as well. Right. It went all the way. Just blew all the way through. Sure. Now, that means, guess who's at the door? Guess. I bet you can't guess. I bet you can't guess who's now at the door. all the corn reinforcements that were supposed to be pouring in? No. (laughs) It's Scarbrand. (laughs) All right. Davey, you got it wrong again. All right. It's Scarbrand. And he's here. And he's so angry now that he has grown larger. Like, he's, he's orcified. Nice. He's gotten bigger. Yeah. Uh, waves of hatred uh, are pushing before him, and they're visible as congealed red mist, like visual rage waves. Rage waves. His hoof prints are burning wherever he steps. It's just... Um, he's, kill, he's smashing through blood letters, through Crimson Guard. Um, the Im- Imperius's Drakoth uh, Guard are just... They've just seen Imperius die. Mm-hmm. Scarbrand's there. They go after him. Yeah, uh, he just destroys them all. Um, the final one, um, smashed in half over his back. Like, just... Yeah. And then he shoves his face and chews out <laughs> his <training>. innards. <laughs> little Delicious. disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, star meat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then before it fades. Uh, and um, But then we get this really cool... Um, this really cool moment where uh, Vandis uh, tells everybody, like... So Scarbrand's obviously the thing. Yep. And he says, I've got this, but if I fall, avenge me. And um, a battle begins between Vandus and Scarbrand. And it's like nothing uh, you've, you'd ever seen. And um, when Sigmar said that he gave a little bit more of himself to Vandus, this is what it was for. Um, and when Vandus spoke aloud, the lightning uh, blessing that was in his hammer flared, and he smote <clears throat> Scarbrand, and the blow knocks him to the ground. And he, there's a thunderclap um, as that happens. And he, he, he goes down, and he stands back up, and he's just tottering. And he's kind of, I mean, if there were a mind inside of its head. Mm-hmm. It would be thinking this has never happened before. Right, they've never been bested in one-on-one combat ever. Um, and uh, Kalinax, uh, Vandis's uh, Drakoth, leaps up, spits lightning into him, and Scarbrand's reeling here. It's just, just digging finish his claws. him is up on the board. Finish him, yeah. <laughs> and Kalinax does, um, and and it just says that that Scarbrand is sent back to mm-hmm. the to the realm of chaos. Like I'm imagining, it just disappears. He falls into a hole or. Mm-hmm. Something, he just sucks into himself, and right. he's gone. Um, and uh, Vandis and the whole, you know, they, they finish the off. Clear. I mean, well, yeah. there's nothing left because right. Scarbrand killed it all. <laughs> um, and they get to the gate, and they, you know, like nothing was able to come through because uh, because um, Scarbrand absolutely demolished every yeah. bit. So of it, it turned out like Godric. Uh, when he broke that chain, like he he questioned it at the last minute, yeah. but it was pretty pretty crucial. Yeah, like, uh, Scarbrand was was. And and Corn didn't care, right? Right. Corn yeah. loved it. Corn, Corn, because might not love it now, but he loved well, it at the time. Yeah. But his plans aren't Arcan's plans. That's true. Arcan's plans to have the gates; those are Arcan's plans. Like Corn, Corn has. He just needs things to die. He needs things to bleed. <laughs> That's all he cares about. Um, so, and he's not the long range planner that you know Zinch or Arcan on. Right. But um, and so they march forward. 
and uh, and they get to the gate and they close it. So where does that leave us? And uh, we have another amazing picture of the the all gates here, and uh, you know slightly changed from before, but uh, the the book lays it out for us, right? war for the all points had passed a critical juncture in the heavens of azir the broken world span on the bell of lamentations told heavily but not all was grim loud came the sounds of revelry from heldenhall and actually the brimfire gate was closed the realm belonged to corn but the blood god had suffered a major defeat terrible were his bellows of rage in giron the genesis gate was closed elariel's campaigns of cleansing were begun the winds had shifted in Shyish, the end gate remained in Archaon's hands. In breaking his oath, Nagash had turned his back upon Sigmar once more. In Hish, it was difficult to decipher whether the war had brought victory or defeat, sorrow or rejoicing. In Gur, the Maw gate was battered, its defenses destroyed, but it remained unclaimed. A new threat grew there. It's a win. <laughs> disagree. Agree to disagree. In, in Shaman, the Mercurial gate remained under Archaon, his defenses unyielding. In Ulgu, the fate of the penumbral gate remained a mystery, for no word returned. In the eight points Archaon brooded, Sigmar would pay tenfold. In the realm of chaos, the lands rumbled and changed, for change was inevitable. And in the last page, we get a little bit of a, a precursor for what's next. While gods and demigods pondered their next move, nine gaunt summoners gathered at the Crystal Labyrinth. And there they created the whisper fane an impossible mind maze and within it one of the dreaded silver towers with their minds they can shift these twisted citadels and push them into the reality of the mortal realms to lure warriors to their end plans within plans plots within plots what is their end game and uh we know that uh in january yep. we're going to be getting more january. in january we're going to be getting more about uh, it's Zinch. It's yep. his time. Yep. Um, uh, you know, Archeon's had his moment. It sounds like the Gaunt Summoners uh, all throughout these stories, and we learned in um, Ever Chosen that they've, even though they're in service to um, Archeon, not by choice, but because he's captured the ability to own them through their names, mm -hmm. um, they still do what they can to undermine him for their own right. plans. Right. Uh, and so this sounds like they're going to be able to do something uh, uh, along with Zinch, with uh, a Lord of Change, with, uh, or with um, Kairos. Kairos, maybe. yeah, um, to, to, to make some moves here. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what's coming next. Um, yeah, so I really like, you know, we've, we've come to the end of the Realm Gate Wars, and then they set it up so, you know, we've got a, a faction coming out. Um, but it's still contributing to the storyline, right? Yeah. Like it's, here's the reason why this faction is surging forth. Here. Yeah. So we, we well. have a new book, which will have some more, uh, I mean, it'll be the first time that I feel like maybe one of the, the battle tomes is unlocking something that the story isn't right. And maybe some of the battle tomes have unlocked things, you know, I would say probably extremist chamber a little bit. Cause it was a, a big deal that that got opened, but it's okay. not, not as big a, not this as big seems a like it's forward. a bridge yeah, to right, whatever exactly. the next campaign is. Right. Um, and so I feel like it's going to be a pretty important yeah. one to, to cover, but, um, uh, yeah, what a ride, um, realm gate wars, um, looking at like the breadth of what we've covered over the last, uh, 13 episodes, you feel pretty satisfied in the arc? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you think about what we knew about the the uh, 
the Age of Sigmar and the Mortal Realms when we, you know, started this off down in the the brims, Brimfire Brimstone Peninsula, um, and your understanding of what's going on is is much broader, right? Like yeah. we didn't know anything about any of the other realms hardly at all. No, I mean, we got a big picture. There's a lot more to know. Yeah, but it was it was a good yeah stretch. So. Yeah, I think it. You know, we came in in that first one. What are the realms about? What are they? What what's in them? What's yeah. what, what are they like? How big, wide, tall, deep are they? Mm-hmm. And we don't get measurements. Um, but through the course of this first campaign, I think we got a lot of questions answered, yeah. a lot of questions um, asked, yeah. um, uh, and, and things that we don't know. But, but man, I feel like we've gotten a really good ride, a very satisfying, mm-hmm. um, I feel like, um, arc right. to the story. Yeah. Um, bigger wider i mean it's not it's not the same as a movie it's not the same as uh you know uh 10 seasons on netflix that you can uh binge watch right uh or 10 episodes on a tv show that you can binge watch or 10 seasons why whatever why shoot small uh <laughs> i did that recently actually so uh, that's why i'm saying it i guess um but it's it's you know over the course of of four books four campaign books and a bunch of novels mm-hmm. um and there's more that that we weren't able we didn't get covered um that I'm looking forward to getting back into and, yeah. and this next one I'm really looking forward to digging into that. I'm yeah. sure we'll do things Same differently and and uh you know learn from this past year but well done. Games <laughs> workshop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Why don't we uh head over to the hero phase. I need a hero. The hero In the hero phase, we turn our attention to those of you who want to get started in the Age of Sigmar or share this game with your friends. Awesome. So for this episode, we're finally able to talk about something that we've been uh, working on, um, and that is uh, on this last kind of Monday, we had our very first monthly game night, Mm -hmm. uh, which was something that kind of culminated as a result of our um, conversation with Ben Curry about... Um, uh, you know, being a, a beacon. What did we? What did we call him? Uh, oh, I don't even remember. You know, get, a uniter. A I uniter. Believe. We we're we're becoming uniters um, in our local area. And since since we started the podcast, you know, we've been you know broadcasting wide, and and you know, people all over the community have been hearing us. Um, probably have fewer. You know, I don't know how many people listen to us here in Madison, um, but. Part of our, you know, we've always lamented a little bit, like, could can we be doing more to get Age of Sigmar happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we finally did it. We finally started. Yeah, and it, you talked about it. You, everyone's got limited hobby time, and so with our uh, how we were set up, you know, with uh, new kids that arrived and the podcast and different things, we, you and I were were playing a lot of basement games, but you know, we really wanted kind of, you know walk the walk as well as talk the talk and uh so we you know and i'll put a lot of this in in your corner here you uh you made a big push here and uh so we're going to talk a little bit about uh how we went about kind of firing that up and uh i think we've got a good start and so let's uh let's get into that a bit so what um you know you, you said the genesis was some of that discussion with with ben but uh what was your thought process in uh in creating the objective here for for our own little local hero phase. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it was, um, a little bit of a shift in my, um, personal kind of, 
uh, agenda upcoming. Um, my wife and I were looking at potentially making a move to uh, Minneapolis, and mm. um, with you know some changes in work and looking at the kind of forecast. We sort of came to the conclusion that that wasn't the right move for us and decided to stay in Madison. Um, it's the land of thieves and criminals <laughs> and ne'er-do-wells. Well, and, and some of that is, you know, we've kind of been sitting one foot out a little bit whenever you're contemplating a move or changing locations. Sure. You know, certainly you had uh, you you and Aaron and Paul to hang out with and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's hard to, to reach out and think about meeting new people when you're you know, potentially leaving in six months or three months or whatever. Um, and so kind of making that decision really said, you know what, um, I'm going to be here. I'm not traveling a lot. I really want to make an impact here and, and kind of grow gaming here. Um, not to mention, um, you know, the three of you were kind of getting, you know, a little, little boring guys. I mean, I, I just have to put it out there. No, I think that's the the real <laughs> truth of the matter. We needed some fresh blood. So. Not at all. You guys are. Uh, I mean, we still have a lot of fun together. But I mean, yeah, we were when the Warhammer store locally opened up. There's a lot of um, kind of surprise that there were a lot of AOS players. And I remember in May of this year, uh, walking into one of the hobby stores and seeing some people playing that I'd never met before. Um, yeah. You know, preposterous that some people would be playing this game without you know getting to talking to me first. You know. Uh, <laughs> Um, How could such a thing come to pass? <laughs> but so over the past, you know, eight months, nine months, we've been meeting other AOS players, but, you know, just been busy and all that kind of stuff. So um, part of what um, really struck me with, with what Ben had, had shared in his podcast and on our podcast was it, it doesn't have to start huge. You don't have to have a big plan. You just have to start a night, uh, play some games, take pictures, and tell everybody that it was amazing, uh, and they'll, right. they'll want to show up the next time. Yeah, the important part was the start, not so much the, you know, like just the act of starting, not so much the the details of the start. Yep, yep. So the first thing I did uh, was chat with you guys um, and say, Mm -hmm. hey, what do you guys think? Um, Would, you know, do we do it at a store? Do we try and find a, um, you know, a a neutral place? Um, And kind of in order to make it easy and cheap and ready to go, we felt that the kind of our old haunting ground uh, was the best place to start at Pegasus games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then it was kind of picking a night and I was thinking about doing a doodle, uh, where you can like take a poll about what, what day would work for most people. But then that gets into like, okay, well then you're knowingly like <laughs> excluding some people's, you know, time. So yeah. just pick a date. And, uh, since we were going with that, with Pegasus, their AOS night is Monday nights. Their, their games workshop night is Monday night. So that was picked for us. Um, and so I put together a quick, um, I talked to Pegasus games. I talked to some of our other game shops and kind of decided that what we try and do is rotate from the different game shops each month. What, what kind of reception did you get? Did you were you explicit about saying, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this. We would be rotating." Yeah, I was. I okay. was very upfront about it because, I mean, on one hand, um, none of, none of the current game shops are putting that much effort into that, other than the Warhammer store, um, mm-hmm. and Warhammer store doesn't have a lot of space, um, and so nobody's nobody on the scene is putting much effort into it, and so I I didn't feel bad of like taking anybody's thunder. Um, and I felt like on one hand, it would get get uh, anybody who did show up or does show up over the next few months exposure to the different stores, um, mm-hmm. which I knew all of them are going to, would love to you know, know all of the AOS players know their store, right? Um, right. 
and then um um i think you know for the most part i have a really good relationship with all of the stores um I don't know if they all know that I don't buy everything from any one of them <laughs> or if they all, all think I purchase all my stuff from each. I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's hard having many lovers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but so I have pretty good relationships with them. You know, I chat with them and whatnot. And so, uh, they were all, I had made mention of it a bit kind of on the, this kind of lightly ahead of time and just kind of, Hey, what would you think? What would you think? And they all seem positive. And then I, came with the request hey could we host it there this time and there that time etc um i i think the keys here is upfront, and i think it's also worth acknowledging that there is some degree of trade-off right so we're we're saying you know we're going to rotate so we include each of these different stores and the the bonuses that we may pick up players that are have been playing at one store not the other and you know kind of collect all those disparate pieces on the other hand it, you know you sacrifice the uh, consistency of always being at the same place at the same time yep. uh, but i think it's a good trade-off for for our objective which is to identify who all is out there and get them all connected with each other and and playing uh aware of each other yep. so that uh they can play together and then the other idea is that it, that that one night a month is a lightning rod so that if people are trying to get out on monday nights at the different game shops and it's hard and they can't, everybody doesn't meet up at the same time or, you know, is able to see each other because they're coming at different nights and stuff. This would be a time for everyone to say, you know what, I, I can't get out every week, but I'm going to plan for that one. Um, right. And so, um, you know, we definitely, yeah. So, um, then, uh, we put together a quick, um, I put together a quick, like little, uh, just image that, said, hey, it's the War of Marriage of Sigmar. It's called Monthly Game Night right now. Here's the date and time. Here's the purpose. Like, um, And we had three purposes. One, we told people, hey, you're going to uh, meet other players that you wouldn't normally meet. Um, you're going to share gaming, painting, and terrain ideas, and then have mm-hmm. a safe, welcome space to invite other friends. So if they've got friends that they play with that, you know, that they could bring them here. If the, the, it's a, we want to create an environment that you would bring somebody who doesn't war game, you know, to, and it's going to be a good environment. It's going to feel like a, right. a normal social environment, not something weird or different or, you know, yeah. questionable, you know, like, yeah. like war gaming can be. <laughs> um, and then, um, in that, on that thing, what I, what we, there was kind of two other things that were floating around one, Um, we came up with like just a suggested game size, um, in the past when we had a forum that everybody could talk on and plan and say, Hey, I'm going to be there on Monday. I'm going to bring 2,500 points or I'm going to bring 2000 points, et cetera. People could do matchups ahead of time. And we encourage that. Hey, if whatever you want to play, bring it and play. Um, and, but we decided to do a match play Vanguard, uh, or sorry, Vanguard 1000 points, um, and pick from your grand Alliance. It doesn't have to be faction specific. Um, gave them a link to scroll builder and, uh, and again, yeah, just encouraged them to play any size, but this way people would say, you know, if I show up a thousand points, I know that I'm going to be kind of in the current, right. I'm going to be able right. to find in, a game. In, in the ballpark. Right. So if you want to adjust it from there, that's good, but it just gave people like a, a starting point from where to go mm-hmm. if they want to do something else. Yeah. yeah. And we had a couple people that brought, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> and then the last thing had this idea to make the game nights a little bit like mini events. Um, 
and so on one hand, I want to encourage, eventually I want to encourage people to run some events, both narrative, maybe some competitive, um, and, and whatever. Um, and, um, so really encouraging people that don't know how to run events or have never thought about running events that are like, Hey, I'd like to run an event to run a, a one night, you know, four hour event. Um, and then maybe that would bring more opportunities for events in our local scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but besides that, um, we came up with kind of a whole point system. It's kind of like, um, awards of notoriety, right? We're giving, uh, right. Ha- handing out titles at the end of each, um, season, each quarter. Um, yep. So, but instead of doing all of them uh, at once, so the idea was there's a uh, a point system that encourages playing new types of games, playing new players, bringing people, uh, you know, kind of introducing people to the group. Um, there would be another point system that rewards, um, you know, playing your games really well, winning games or getting, you know, major wins, et cetera. And then uh, another system that rewards hobby, bringing in new models, bringing in new armies, playing something different. Because that, again, kind of brings variety, but that lets us all kind of enjoy each other's stuff. Um, And then lastly, like I said, a a point system that just kind of encourages, you know, doing mini games or mini events at our game nights. So the idea is you have all these different routes of rewarding the different reasons why people might play the game, right? Absolutely. But one of the key things about doing something like this we don't want to overwhelm people with you know okay here's 17 different point systems on top of whatever you know we don't even know <laughs> we haven't even met some of these people and so we're not sure like what what their familiarity with the game and you already talked about making it comfortable for somebody who's new so our job and we've talked about this with some event organizers like your your job as an organizer of an event or a game night or whatever is to signal here's what Here's the goal of this yep. of this event, and one tool with which to do that is the the systems you put in place. And in this case, the system was the the set of points that we decided to to roll out on that first night. Absolutely. What do we value? And and I and I think this first system we're calling it the adventurer point system is the the sh- will be or I hope to be the basis of our group, right? And that's the one that rewards. Um, you get a point for um, the first three game nights that you ever attend, right? So if you're a new new yeah. person, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a point just for showing up three times uh, or a, three points for showing up three times. Um, another one is, um, did I play a game, right? So coming and playing a game uh, versus, um, you know, just coming and showing up, you'll get a point for playing a game. Um, and then uh, playing somebody that you haven't played in that three-month period, right? So that you're, you're rotating around, you're, you're Playing, you know, and I, I was surprised, you know, a lot of people don't want to play the people that they usually play, right? They want to play new play people. They want to get new experiences in. Um, right. And then if it's somebody that you've never played before ever, you get more points. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last part is uh, kind of like um, over the three game nights, if you play two different t- styles of game, either open match or uh, narrative, you play two types, you get three points for that um, month or for that, that season. And if you um, play three types of games, so if you know you play a match one time, an open one time, and a narrative one time, you get five points for that season. Um, and so it just encourages playing different ways, right, and being open. And, and if we can kind of as a ecosystem, as our kind of culture that we're building, be okay with all those different ways to play, I think that's going to make all of our 
when we get into the competitive stuff, it's going to make that more fun because people know that they're switching to that. And if we're playing a narrative, people we're going to, and the people that want to play into that will be able to play into that. So it, again, it's a signal that we're open to all of the types. Nobody should feel pigeonholed into one type over another type. Um, and that, you know, and, and I think some of that is to, you know, match play is an easy one to slide into. So a little bit of that is to make sure that we're open to all the other ways of playing too. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's twofold. So that was the, that was the last set of the points, but the first half was all about playing people that you have not played before or haven't played recently. Yeah. And, uh, I like that. And, you know, nobody was going like, oh man, I want to be, I mean, maybe they were, but probably not coming into saying like, oh, I hope I can yeah. be the winner, the best adventure points guy ever. But <laughs> what it did, like you said, you signal intention. So we, you go in there and instead of being like, ah, you know, there's some people around that I don't really know. And there's this guy that I, I play regularly. I know him and I know he's got an army that we can play. So let's just, we'll, we'll play here and we'll catch up with the other guys later. Instead, people were looking around like, well, I haven't played you ever. Or, yeah. Let me shake your hand and find out who you are. And uh, to me, it actually brought some of the some of the vibe I like from having gone to tournaments, you know, where you meet meet new people um, and see an army you haven't seen before and get exposed to, you know, just that that's one of the cool things about tournaments. And we kind of got to bring that to the game night of, yeah, you know, and for me, I, I think uh, you may have met more of the crowd than I had. You, you've gotten out to some of the stores a little bit more, but um, half half the people there I, I'd never met before in my life, uh, and it was uh, yeah, it was a cool feeling to to realize that there were so many people within striking distance in the immediate area or or what have you that were uh, were into the hobby. So yeah, it was uh, a successful implementation of uh, the objectives we kind of laid yeah. out to put it in my clunky. Term. My hope with that is that. You know, typically in a group that's established, the person who's there the longest and liked the most has the least trouble getting a game that they want. Um, my hope is that with a system like this, the new player, people will be scrambling and begging to play them, right? Because right. They're, wor- <laughs> they're worth more points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it, it just creates an environment where, you know, that new player instantly has uh, um, people asking them. Because that's the hardest part as a new player in a group is to ask other people for games because you don't know anybody or know what they right. want to play or if they like you, right? They right. May, you may read somebody else's body language and be like, oh, that person doesn't like me very much. When they're, you know, they're, I mean, Davey's a perfectly nice guy. He just acts like a dick sometimes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but um, so then, um, so yeah, I mean, I, so we introduced the first point. So we just put it out there. Hey, Adventure Point System in effect in that, that first advertisement. Um, set up a, a Facebook group or event incorrectly and tried to fix it later. But <laughs> so there, there be an, I got to learn the best way to do that so that other people can invite. And I think that was the thing is like nobody could invite other people to it, uh, in a sure. Facebook way. Anyway. Um, then yeah, I did go pre beforehand on the two Mondays prior. I went to the stores, I hung up posters, um, the flyers and everybody was cool with that. Even though it had somebody else's like name, like Pegasus name on it. Like I'm bored was fine putting it up. Uh, the Warhammer store was fine putting it up, um, et cetera. Um, and I just asked and I, you know, first asked, you know, Hey, can I put up a poster? Do you mind if I, you know, I, I came with the one that, <laughs> that I wanted to put up and I said, Hey, I can change this if you want. Um, right. so I was, I was willing to, but I was hoping not to. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I met a few other people. I invited them in person. Hey, come in, you know, please come check it out. Um, and, uh, there's people that said that they, you know, were interested. Um, and what was 
cool is that well, it says cool. What's cool is they're interested, but they didn't show up the first night, um, which isn't so much a defeat because I'm in my head. I'm thinking there's even though we had we, room to grow. We right? ha- that means we have room to grow. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. So our first night arrived, um, and uh, what was cool is even with an R little group, right? You, Aaron, uh, Paul and myself and uh Paul got was getting super amped up uh for for game night and you got you and Aaron both like I was I was happy to see you guys kind of getting a little electric for it so that was yeah cool to to have that energy in our own little group how are you feeling uh it was great i rolled in it was nice uh again we we talked about a little bit about scheduling this sort of thing but making it a once a month thing meant i was able to put it on the calendar you know three or four weeks out and say this is going to happen let's adjust the schedule around it uh ironically if it was a once a week thing i might not you know make it once a month because it's every well it's going to be there next week well it'll be there next week and you can think of reasons or you know make concessions absolutely whatever the case may be um so i thought that was a good move i was able to get out there early and kind of guilt-free make sure i had my obligations taken care of on the home front and uh and get out there and then Yeah, get a get a game in like a, a full blown game, which I hadn't been able to do in a while. Yeah, um, and Paul Paul showed up. I think at like five. So we started from five thirty to ten. Paul was there at like you know five o'clock setting up tables, and that was awesome because I was yeah. thinking of doing that myself. And so you know to have that extra help made it so I could be greeting people as they came in. Um, we set up um, a bunch of we. So since everyone was bringing a thousand points, hopefully at least. Um, we set up just a bunch of four by fours, um, which meant uh, we could create some really cool tables. We put up uh, five tables um, and uh, ended up needing six. Yeah. So we Not had a bad problem to have. No, we had uh, 12 people show up to the. Well, so we had uh, um, 11 show up to play, um, and then you had invited somebody. So tell us, and, and so they hadn't ever played before. So that was a, they had uh, done a lot of, so he'd done a lot of Lord of the Rings uh, figure painting. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. It just, it came up and I was like, hey, you know, you painted miniatures and I know that's how you, Eric, got started was, was yeah. sort of painting miniatures and uh, realized there was a game involved. And I was like, well, yeah. you know, if you want to check it out, this is, this would be a good environment since I knew there'd be new folks and yeah. you know whatever the numbers would be there would be somebody to give a demo game and uh and so got out and got him some reps and uh he he went away with uh some demo models and he's been texting me about the paints he's picking <laughs> up and that sort of thing so nice you know i, I don't know it's just a, it's a good um tack on with how to grow there yeah and the nice thing about the structure of it again not to keep coming back to it but our initial structure, our, our goal is growth. Our goal is growth and community more than it is like who can be the king of the mountain on this. So it wasn't. At least that's what we I'm telling you. Gate. Yes. Right. <laughs> we weren't out of the gate like, all right, how many major victories did you get tonight? It was, you know, how many new people did you play tonight? And so you weren't people. People were looking for. It was fun to play a new person and not sweat like, oh, am I sacrificing the chance at getting points for a major victory somewhere else? Or am I here to like, oh, cool, now I can stomp this new guy into the ground <laughs> and get my, you know what I mean? Yep. Like we, it was just structured in the way that um, would make it uh, welcoming for that sort of folks. And if you grow bigger and find yourself in some other way, maybe you sh- you shift and maybe we will. But that was a nice place for us to start there. Yeah. 
No, and and everybody had fun. Everybody, um, I I think there's only one person who was like, "Do we are, are we turning in these sheets?" Or you know, had some question. But almost everybody, no, I, I got sheets in from everybody. So I, I sorry, I did, skipped over that. I printed up a sheet with a checklist, a check mark, you know, whatever you accomplished that would we could add up for the points. And um, you know, Aaron is going to take those, put them in a spreadsheet, so we can keep track of people's points. So that at the end of the season, what we can do is is just say, "Hey, you got the title of X." You know, if you get um, so many points, you get the title of adventure. If you get so many more points, you get, um, uh, oh, what do we call it? I can't remember super adventurer or, uh, I can't remember what he called it. Um, but you know, regardless, the titles are just there for kind of bragging rights. Um, yeah, we also had two other people just stopping by that night who had just, were starting to get back into 40 K. Um, we had, uh, and so they stopped by and talked to them for a while. They were looking at models. Um, the, um, you know, one of them was kind of piqued their interest by the fantasy stuff as much as the, maybe a little more so than the sci-fi stuff. Um, and then we, uh, after the, you know, first six games got done, uh, four of us played another, um, uh, uh, triumph treachery game and it was super relaxed and cool and a lot of people just stuck a lot of people had to go a lot of people stuck around to just uh shoot the breeze one of the 40k players was over here you know over just chatting and looking at the table and that sort of stuff while we were just blowing stuff up um and it was just a it was a really cool atmosphere it uh i was surprised that in the first night that we could achieve something that seemed like it got you know was pretty relaxed and comfortable Mm -hmm. so I think it, you know, um, a lot of, uh, you know, biting fingernails about how to get started. Right. Uh, right. you heard me work, you know, I asked a ton of questions of you guys. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Do I do it this way? Do I, am I overthinking it? Whatever. Um, and, uh, in the end, um, I think some of the overthinking or the, just enough thinking paid off really well. Um, and in the end though, I mean, we just held the night people came, they were hungry to play and, and we had a good night. So people looking forward to doing it again so what would you say the next step is just briefly so next step is uh um is scheduling the next one and doing it so that was monday um i think Mm -hmm. so tomorrow i need to get out next month's um you know thing um little sticker on on facebook and and start the event so people can share it um and start people talking about the next event put pictures on it um i did post up pictures and and share excitement and need to do it again and and again um and uh and then yeah just uh come up kind of maybe make one poll that would ask people about the size of game people want to play right start sure. start giving the group a choice um and some input on what we do the next time um so that because my goal isn't for me to be the the gatekeeper of fun um you know but to start empowering and enabling the group to 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 encourage and grow the group um, right. So, yeah, that's next. What do you think? Uh, anything that you'd like to see next time? I think that's it. I think uh, I think the key thing is to keep the momentum going. Um, I think uh, maintaining that attitude of this is a suggestion. If you got something else you want to do, that's totally awesome, and we're totally on board with it. Um, you know, giving a giving a suggested starting point helps, but make sure people know they can go any route and it's not, they shouldn't feel limited by anything that we're, we're laying out. So, yeah, cool. Well, thanks. Uh, uh, 
quick shout out to you and Paul and, and Aaron for helping me um, kind of narrow in those ideas and then uh, for you guys and everybody who showed up to make such a great night and then uh, all the way back to Ben Curry for uh, kind of just putting it out there start start the night uh, get it on the calendar get people there take pictures and then tell people about it and and you know scream scream to the from the uh, rooftops how awesome it was and then the next time will be even better so that's our plan and we're sticking to it yeah and I, I think the the bottom line was it was I mean I can say this because you did most of the work but uh, it was a little bit we had a little bit of groundwork at the start we had uh, we had some infrastructure already with Facebook groups and uh, a little bit of footwork to, to set up a first successful night and then let that build some momentum so you know find that sweet spot of, of enough prep that it can get off the ground but not so much prep that you never even try so. absolutely very cool well let's jump into some hobby the hobby phase in the hobby phase we want to stoke the flames of creativity for hobbyists and find shortcuts and easy entry points for new gamers so today we were talking a little bit about uh you know we've been talking some about the hobby expanding your gaming group uh in the hero phase and in the hobby phase we're talking a little bit about expanding the scope of what what you might consider for the miniatures in your army and this isn't a unique thing that we've ever thought of but uh specifically uh this seemed relevant with your uh, ogre nids the the tyranids riding ogres and just uh that even strictly within the gw range there's a there's a lot of places you can look uh, and get some cool themes going um with a little bit of a unique twist on on what you got so yeah we're gonna go ahead no yeah i was just gonna say it's with age of sigmar i think we've um we've said it over and over they've opened the scope of what's possible so much that I think it's worth taking a look outside of, um, and that we're we're kind of waiting for some of the lines to open up to be re um, re released, um, right. hopefully with new kits and new that sort of thing. Um, and so there's a there's kind of a swath of things that that people are kind of waiting on. And in the meantime, I think that there's some other fun kits and things that you can work with um, to kind of keep your hobby you know, fresh, um, but not necessarily looking straight inside, you know, when you go to the games workshop site, you know, sometimes you might just be clicking on the age of Sigmar stuff. Uh, There's room outside of that to be kind of bringing into age of Sigmar. Yeah. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with going with the, I know you don't do it, but (laughs) going with the, the stock. No, not at all. People make some beautiful armies with the, uh, with the stock miniatures. Um, but if you're just looking for, uh, something to spark a, an idea for a new project or something to look a little bit different. There's, there's, uh, we're going to talk about some of the options. So what, what are some ways that, uh, you've expanded the scope of what is usable Yeah, uh, or a good idea? Or, well, I think one of the first places to, to think about, um, and obviously in the 40 K and in the Lord of the Rings range, um, there's some different styles. There's some different, um, kind of extremes in the in the 40k there's a lot of you know cables and wires and and that sort of stuff um so we'll start there um you know while some of that can be very technology focused right the computers or whatever yeah. uh, luckily yeah. the the 40k is a little like it's um the technology is ancient yeah right so there's a lot of uh unnecessary things in the technology a lot of seeming look like steampunk type stuff or sure. um you know like uh a lot of pipes and and uh, tubing and whatnot. 
Um, and so one of the things I was, uh, you know, that I came across was, um, so like, so we'll talk about infantry real quick. Um, the, there's a line of infantry for the, um, mechanicus, um, in the 40 K range, not the 30 K range. Um, and they're electro priests. They have, uh, you know, either big staves, um, or they have like hands with like gloves that can electrocute things. Um, obviously in age of Sigmar, there's tons of lightning references. Um, and we've got, you know, the, the, you know, the six, uh, um, Smiths, six Smiths. Yeah. And we've got, you know, steamhead Dwarden in, in the, in the, the rumors of this stuff coming. And so there was room in my imagination to say, well, these dudes with these things on their backs, you know, holding these big staves, they could visually, they, I think that they can fit. And what I did was I, I like, okay, well, what could they be? And, and in my head, I thought Phoenix guard could be it. Right. Not, not Phoenix guard in the fluff, like, um, necessarily elves, but just that kind of sense of like great weapons or, you know, whatnot. And, um, you know, rolling with an electrical, you know, fire kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was one place that, that I looked at. Um, you had some success looking into the 40 K range, um, for, for one of your armies, right? Yeah. I went with, uh, when I was bulking out my slanish, you look at the, uh, at the time it was warriors of chaos. Now it's a lot of the represented by the slaves, the darkness faction, but a lot of those, a lot of those miniatures are, are fairly static and kind of bulky and brutish. And I was like, it, it might be nice to get some more uh, sinewy speed and and uh, grace in a slanish army, and um, but still something that's kind of wicked and savage. So looking around, I saw that uh, a lot of the dark elf range was had that on offer. Yeah. So um, taking a look, and and a lot of them have delicate enough futuristic components that they're they're easily removed uh, or modified in a way to make them, you know, appear like. Uh, a piece of the uniform rather than a cable or, or something like that. Yeah. So uh, specifically, I know my uh, Chaos Lord of uh, on of Slanesh on a demonic mount that I took the uh, Lamian from the uh, Dark Elf range and converted her on top. Uh, I've got some of the uh, Chimera pulling pulling the chariot, which are these flayed-looking beasts, and it just kind of catches that Slanesh vibe and, and works okay within. Uh, and also the big thing for me was... Uh, Using, I originally wasn't. Uh, I felt like the demonettes were a little bit too static. Was looking for something more moving, and as I was looking, I, I happened upon racks, um, which have you can paint up with the the flayed skin, remove the technological pieces, and they've got two weapons. Put them all together, realized they were still quite static, and decided they might make some good uh, uh, chaos warriors. So I've been I've been using them. Uh, yeah, two hand weapon chaos warriors, and they they I'm pretty happy with how that's working. It, it's it's nice. Yeah, and they have such a um, there's such a unique aesthetic, um, but with that flayed flesh, like it's yeah. it's super gross, and it's you know, yeah. but it but it fits really well. Um, yeah. That specifically the dark Eldar. Let's stick there for a second. I've heard people talk about using the Ravager and the Raider, which are two kind of flyers that they have that kind of look like pirate ships or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people use those in Tomb King armies um, as uh, potential chariots or, you know, stuff like that. Um, I know that the, I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's a couple, um, the Mandrakes are very low tech. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, kind I've of been model. trying to figure out how to 
worked them in for some time now. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Uh, the homunculus, I I have one of him to try and use him as a necromancer. Um, mm. You know, take some of the bits off, but he's got a ton of, like, bones and, and stuff and, and flesh cape and stuff. Um, the the scourges, I want to use those wings <laughs> for a lot of things. Um, yeah. But they they dance around. They look like they could be really cool in a Blood Bowl team. Uh, oh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. jumping around the, the court as, uh, you know, a, an elf type. Um, there's a number of monsters, um, the Clawed Fiend, um, the, yeah, you, you mentioned the Chimera, the Razorwing Flock, uh, the Urghul, which could be a great ghoul king. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of cool kind of beast monsters that uh, um, absolutely fit into the Age of Sigmar uh, universe. Um, uh, another kind of range uh so yeah you mentioned the tyranids um in my beast claw army i just absolutely lucked out um that the tyranids uh line had a lot of monsters and infantry that matched the beast claw raider um infantry and and monsters so uh being able to pull them in and you know, I've I've just been able to put them on the table at a, at an event and had a lot of people just comment that they fit so well into Age of Sigmar. It's not jarring, it's not jolting, um, and I'm happy about that. I'm glad that that kind of whatever combination did pull, was able to pull that off. Um, some of the um, well, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. Obviously, um, straight up. Uh, kind of reverse that. I've seen quite a people, few people use Stormcast as uh, Space Marines, um, putting different heads and, and stuff on them. So kind of going the other direction, which is kind of cool. They've definitely got a different armor setup, mm-hmm. but they're big, right? And they're yeah. um, cool like that. Um, one of the things that really um, inspired me uh, with the 40K range is the terrain. Um, one of the... Let's see if I can pull up some of that. Um, one of the things I wish they still had that they don't have anymore, um, but you can find them in some sites, are like craters. Just straight up, like, you know, oh, yeah, holes absolutely. in the ground. So sometimes yeah. you can find those uh, hang, banging around. Um, but specifically, one of the things I'm working on, uh, and I know some other people have used this as well. I think I was talking to Vince about that. Um, so, like, there is a couple of gothic scenery um, pieces that, um, so specifically the Basilica Administratum. Uh, I'm using that one for um, a very gothic kind of castle for my soul blight. Um, it's just got really these cool vaulted, uh, you know, windows um, with the peaks at the top. It's got a lot of skulls in it. There is some technology, some klaxons or some lights and that sort of stuff that are easy to clip off. Um, there's some kind of tubing that looks, I think, can look like incense burning or something like that. Um, there's a Sanctum Imperialis that has, um, again, a lot of eagle motifs. That one has the you know eagle with two heads, so that maybe be a little too specific. Yeah. But then the the shrine of the Aquila has a big dra- uh, big sorry eagle wings, but the the doors on it look like you know renaissance um windows in in a cathedral and stuff so there's there's some pieces there that could i think could absolutely fit ruined um you know uh realm of light right uh right something like that um there's a few of the kits that absolutely are too much you know like technology and and that sort of stuff on them 
Um, but I think there's a few kits in here where it just, it has such a strong aesthetic that I feel like that works in Age of Sigmar. Um, obviously the Hobbit has a, quite a few monsters that people have, have probably, have definitely used, um, here and there, some dragons, the Nazgul, um, dragon. Um, yeah. uh, uh, there's, uh, I'm looking, I've, I've picked up some of the Goblin Town, um, to use as, as Flesh Eater Court. Um, so those goblins are a little more upright than the ghouls in the Age of Sigmar, you know, the Flesh Eater Court uh, boxes. And so I kind of like that they're a little shorter, uh, maybe, than a person. Um, but they they have kind of a cool aesthetic, and especially with that, their, their goblin king as a ghoul king um, is feels like a very strong aesthetic choice. Um, right. Uh, I think um, there's some of the, the crute uh, for... Tau, um, there's not a lot of those anymore. Like, uh, there's not a lot of those models, but there's some cool like crute dogs. Um, same as the um, the wargs in the Hobbit and, and Lord of the Ring lines. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a you know a few cool odd you know models that kind of hit a couple of interesting spots. Um, let's see. Well, I think it's worth mentioning we're, you know, we're talking about entire models right now or, you know, using the bulk of a model. But uh, sometimes it's worth just looking at those other spots and finding the bits, right? Like sometimes it's, oh, man, look at those Space Wolf heads. Those would be perfect. Like it's an easy conversion. I can drop and make my make myself some some feral uh, or more wild looking uh, Stormcast or whatever, you know, like we've we've been seeing the... Uh, Ah, uh, it's not celestial vindicators, um, but the uh, the Ast- fellas that astral went into the realms of peace, astral templars. There you go. That have they've gone a little bit wild. Yeah. Um, over in Gur, uh, or it could be like I uh, made a chaos familiar with the. He's a little guy that accompanies the chaos terminator lord. Uh, carries a little sword for him, and he's got almost no tech on him. And so I just removed that little bit, and then he's a little hooded guy walking around following me around with a, a sword and he was a, he yeah. was a perfect familiar um, real easy you just had to realize that that bit existed out there and if you don't play both games there's there's a whole lot of stuff you just might not be aware of to use another whole model I was able to find like a dark angel character so dark angels are, are um, space marines and there was a librarian um, remove his backpack you know don't put his his big pal- shoulder pauldron on um, do a little head swap uh, with uh, something from the um, flagellants kit, um, swap out his hammer and he totally looks like just an armored up, um, priest, you know, trying to, trying to be a storm cast. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, um, yeah, from the bits, I mean, there's amazing banners, uh, in the 40 K universe, uh, that if they don't have, you know, too much, the iconography you don't like on it, then maybe you got to go somewhere else. But, uh, you know, just these crazy huge banners, like it seemed like even more ornate than the ones in uh, Fantasy and Age of Sigmar. So, um, right. some good opportunity there. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think it's for everybody. Um, you know, to go looking at other things, as you said, some people do like to to be traditional. They like to find like epitomize the army as it you know is in the fluff and in their head. Um, yeah. Because Age of Sigmar, you know, has a bigger ceiling and, and wider boundaries uh, than it did before. Um, some of these things that 
might fit in another universe um, or might be intended for another universe can certainly play in this sandbox uh, successfully. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think it helps if you take that sort of measured approach to like really thinking about how does it fit in rather than just, you know, willy nilly dropping it in like a, a, a little bit of thought about it can go a long way as far as, uh, you know, keeping a consistent aesthetic across an army or just finding, finding a way to tie it in, uh, in, in a manner that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I think you get over maybe some of the initial, certainly I think a lot of people that hear, you know, about, Oh, you know, Eric put Tyranids in age of Sigmar. There's no way that works. And I, I think, uh, you put enough thought to it and enough, uh, consistency in yeah. your theme that it, it does. Um, and I think that's a good example of how to use some of these other resources in a way that, doesn't isn't jarring and doesn't detract from the yeah. the narrative or storyline that you're trying to build with the Age of Sigmar. Yeah, so. looking uh, the I guess the last one I'll look at too is like the the latest Thousand Sun releases. Ariman, um, if you look at him, certainly if you know Space Marines, he looks like he has Space Marine things, but for the most part, he's unrecognizable as a Space Marine of any kind. He's just got cool armor, huge horns. Um, and I don't think there's even a bolter on him. So, you know, like could totally be a Zinch chaos sorcerer on disc, you know? Um, and the thing is, these are newer, newer kits. They're just gorgeous. Uh, and it gives you an excuse to paint something, uh, off of a different range, um, and to use them in your army. Um, obviously there's some that are intended to be in both like the Zangors. Um, but the exalted sorcerers, you know, are, you know, armored sorcerers on discs and, you know, you take their bolter away and, uh, there's nothing saying that they couldn't exist in age of Sigmar. Um, they're just really cool sculpts. Absolutely. So expand your horizons, uh, the way you're thinking about things, pull from different, uh, be inspired by other things and bring that into age of Sigmar. Um, I think, you know, certainly I don't think anything goes, um, but the, it's, it's a bigger, there's more options than you may be thinking. The campaign phase. In the campaign phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table. Rules, scenarios, new tactics, and narrative campaigns. All right. In this uh, phase, we've talked about rules. We've talked about scenarios. We've talked about things that we found in the books. And uh, this time, we actually have a bit of our own campaign to share. Indeed. Uh, and I'm excited about that. Um, in, uh, so what, um, one of the first opportunities, so, uh, like if we've mentioned and talked about in other things, you know, we've got a small group, the four of us, uh, you, me, Aaron and Paul who, uh, get together at each other's houses. And sometimes we can get together all, all together. And sometimes it's just, you know, one-offs, um, uh, mostly over at Paul's house cause he's got the room. Um, and, uh, um, we, we get some good games on and, and, uh, we had the idea to play, um, well, Again, you guys let me kind of t- tinker with some things, and you guys were willing guinea pigs. Um, and uh, since we were all at the time, this was right before Havoc that we, the, we started this, um, we were all starting destruction armies. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, working on the, the Ogrenids uh, for, for Havoc. You were working on Bone Splitters. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Paul is a uh, Spider Rider fanatic, but he was starting um, a. Um, Night Goblin or a little bit of Moon Clan, Moon Clan. Grot action. Yep. And uh, Aaron has been uh, working on um, the Iron Jaws since they came out. 
Yeah, I like Aaron because he's the only guy slower than I am at uh, putting an <laughs> army together. So. And uh, um, and so we all had destruction things that were going on, and we thought we could, well, one, um, have some fun doing kind of a bit of an escalation since we were all working towards some things, and maybe light a fire under Aaron's butt, um, and uh, uh, but try and do something that that would kind of focus on all the armies that we're creating, help us create some some f- stories about our our armies. And um, looking at the general's handbook, there was a lot of different options to do um, uh, narrative campaigns. And one of them stood out to me uh, to be the absolute dead simplest um, for us to get something started. Um, and so maybe this is a, you know, a theme of, of the, this episode with our, you know, the game night, you know, being able to start simple, you know, just get it going. Um, but so we started with the basic map campaign rules that are available in the general's handbook. Um, really cool set of rules. And, uh, you know, um, you know, one of the, basically you have a map, it has different locations on it. Um, and you, all the participants in the campaign, when two people come together for a game, they each pick a spot that they'd like to fight over on the map. And you roll a dice, and the winner decides where you fight, basically. And um, in the general's handbook, your victories, the more victories you can pile up in a particular location, will give you dominance over that location, and you will reap the reward of that location uh, in for future campaigns or future uh, games. Um, right. And uh, we put a little bit of a twist on that. Um, uh, so what we needed though for us was to be more themed around destruction. Um, mm-hmm. and we live in a capital city of our state. And so, um, what better way to kind of pull a story together of destruction armies than to say, Hey, let's charge the capital of the state and destroy everything in our path. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, uh, and we've got some beautiful buildings that would just be terrible, to have be, beat down by a bunch of ogres and orcs. So um, that was kind of the idea. And we called it the annihilation of Heish. Hish. What are we calling this? Yeah. Heish. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what we did is we set, set our capital, our local, like where we live, in the realm of light. And and what's cool about this, what we're, this, I'm kind of skinning the Games Workshop, you know, General, General's Handbook um, map campaign. Um, and I'm tr- what I tried to do is make it local. And what I wanted to do was make it something that was more meaningful to us as a group, um, mm-hmm. make it more personal, make it familiar. And so, um, and we could have set, you know, um, Madison in any of the realms, right? Um, right. But so we decided to put it in Hayesh as in the, uh, imagine the biggest, a bunch of bulls in the most fantastic China shop is what I was right, thinking. Exactly. Um, and so, um, what we decided to do is that, you know, we could make this, um, each, each duration or each part of the campaign was one month. Um, I think we ended up going to, to two months or three months. Um, and we had, um, each of the, lo- we picked out three locations in one part of the town and we gave them all highish names. Um, so do you remember what was your favorite of the three, Davey? Uh, there was, uh, we had the, uh, star eagle roost, was it for the, um, there was eagle's nest, uh, golf course yeah. way out on the west side. Yep. 
and uh, so we made it the the Star Eagle roost. So the, the eighteen spires uh, Star Eagle roost. So it it yeah. kind of ties in with the, the it was a golf course. It's eighteen holes, right? That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we had uh, the quarry of aluminum, uh, which is the most reflective metal uh, you can find. And if you're going to be in high in the realm of light, you need a super reflective metal, right? Um, and so this was a there's a a quarry hill. A quarry ridge uh, is one uh, kind of landmark um, in our in this area, um, and then the last one was pretty fun. Uh, I'm sure many of you out there might be familiar in the healthcare system, uh, familiar with Epic Systems, which is a, a local uh, company uh, uh, in in our region, and uh, we named that the Libraries of the Healing Scribes of Epicurison. Uh, yeah. So uh, we fit Epic's name into there. Um, and uh, each of these locations had a item of great renown. Um, right. The the libraries had uh, gave one hero the knowledge to heal themselves D three wounds one time per game. Uh, so s- some scroll that they could carry with them in order to to heal them during the game. Um, the quarry had a shield that could uh, reroll saves and uh, bounce mortal wounds back on the attacking unit. Um, inspired by the Lord Celestint on Drakoth, uh, his shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last, uh, if you uh, smashed up the, the Star Eagle roost, uh, you would gain a Star Eagle uh, using the Knight Venator Star Eagle rules um, uh, as your companion uh, for the next uh, series in the campaign. Entertainingly, at one point you had typoed this as a Star Drake rather than a Star <laughs> Eagle, which seemed a little imbalanced. With, uh, yeah, you just get one Star Drake. Um, so um, yeah, so and so to kind of flesh that out a little bit more, um, I took a, a Google Maps uh, picture and I found a way to be able to pull all of the. Uh, there's a way that you can snap a picture or pull it pull information from some from Google Maps to where it strips it of all of its um, uh, land or titles, right? Road markings and all that kind of stuff. And so I did that, pulled in Photoshop, just highlighted the areas uh, with a, a color um, and gave them their the names I wanted to give them. Um, so I was able to create kind of a, a visual map, not as cool as the one in the general's handbook, but fast and dirty. And, right. um, and I, I felt like that, you know, for a while there, it felt like, you know, the, our world was really replaced by this map. Like I was driving by the quarry, um, uh, of aluminum. Um, and then, you know, so there was a couple of things that we did, uh, in addition to what you find in general's handbook. So, uh, our composition was a little bit, so I might find it a little extreme. What did you think of our composition, Damie? Ah, I liked it, and again, it's it's just like we were talking about in the hero phase. It was identify what you want your your goals to be, what you want your objectives to be for it. What we wanted was to try and get miniatures on the table. We wanted it to be, we wanted to encourage people growing their army in whatever way was important to them. So we said you're supposed to bring some out to whatever whatever you're happy to put on the table. You know, whatever your tabletop standard was, um, and you could put it out, and then and you would just. It was more. It was basically open play, right? Like yep. You could put you know, once you had your yeah whatever you had painted, painted, you could put on the table. Yeah. So that meant that somebody could paint really fast, get a ton of stuff on the table, and create a super imbalanced game. Um, but the most important thing was that they had stuff painted and they could put it on the table. Um, and I thought that that was going to work. I thought that that would get everybody painting. Now you and I, I think for the most part, it worked. It did not work with Aaron. 
and part of it is we didn't really enforce it because we wanted him to play. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not I'm not judging at all. Uh, but it, I think um, you know I think that could have um, if you you and I already had you know havoc to motivate motivate us. Um, mm-hmm. And so had we not had havoc though, I think this would have been a good substitute for that. Um, yep. So, uh, but it was it was the 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 comp was whatever you could get painted, you know, new for your army, uh, you could put it on the table. So that was kind of exciting. Um, and I ended up playing uh, two of the first games. I had I had just had my um, Tarkus on uh, Stonehorn uh, finished, so I had a Huskard on Stonehorn, um, and so I played uh, first couple of games against. First game was against. Um, uh, Paul and and Moon Clan Grotz, and I think he had twenty Moon Clan Grotz and a couple of heroes, uh, and I th- I barely eked out a win on one wound uh, uh, with with my battle brew, uh, but w- yeah. uh, you know took a couple of uh, of uh, fanatics you know stole my charge, uh, got swarmed, uh, got down to quite a few and managed uh, to get a double turn to to win it out, um, and then I took a, a Tarkos tried to. To single-handedly deal with, would you have thirty, um, uh, thirty bone splitters? I think I had twenty-six or twenty-seven oh, okay. at, the, at that point put together. Yeah. So, so uh, and uh, I, I did some damage. I uh, yeah. I bloodied your nose, yeah. uh, but uh, they they yeah were a little bit better than Grotz. So well, yeah, in fitting fashion, the monster hunters did bring down the monster. Yeah, it was awesome. It was pretty fun. Uh, he didn't get death ridden, but uh, but no, I don't. I still don't have any uh, any more boys put together, which needs to be a priority when I when I roll back around. I really'd like to get more combat element into the bone splitters and yep. see if I can make that work. Yep, but absolutely. Um, and uh, you know what? We were able to get through um, two rounds. Um, we had uh, you know a little bit where we were just playing individual games you played a game with uh, somebody i played a game with somebody and then we had uh, a really fun kind of get everybody together and we were able to play um two games a piece um mm-hmm. and uh kind of move the move the campaign along uh just in one night um which was really fun yeah um so yeah i mean it's um all what i'll do is i'll you know, go to TGA and I'll, I'll publish this, uh, annihilation of, uh, Hayish. If you have destruction armies, uh, with your friends that you want to go through this and you can pick a different, uh, campaign setting you can do, uh, or a different, um, kind of growth, you know, maybe you start with uh, 500 points and then go to a thousand points the next month and, and, uh, 1500 the month after that or something like that. You can choose your own, but if you want to use it for an escalation, then be okay with, unbalanced armies if you're a slow painter uh get your act together you know <laughs> but yeah. you know use this as an opportunity to get you know to pick but here you pick your own standard so if it's base coats and wash if it's uh assembled and uh on bases whatever it is uh talk with your friends and, and get that together and then uh take your local environment take a map of your local place find some landmarks decide which realm you're in and um you know, if you want to be in Hayash like we were, um, and give them crazy, you know, names like you find it in the Age of Sigmar uh, stories, right? They name drop crazy stuff all the time. Um, so, you know, do a little bit of naming, pick some, uh, pick some locations on the map, do a little bit of naming, pick a comp, and, uh, you know, give each location a, a, uh, a boon that you can win, um, and then go to town. Yeah. 
and just the small you know a, a few small things like you talk about making the names local and significant to you or recognizing the themes of the armies that are coming so in our case all destruction well we're not here to build empires we're not here to make friends we're here to grind it all into the dust right yep. so it, it was just that you know those small touches make it make it your own yeah. make it feel a little more fun yep so um so i'll publish that but uh it's a great way of taking uh what gw's given us and put a little skin on it uh to personalize it and uh and don't you don't have to put a lot of energy into it to make it narrative to get people's um, kind of juices flowing, getting your, your friends um, and your, your gaming buddies, get them flowing in a narrative way. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be a lot of fun. Right. This was a campaign as far as like a, a rule set for the campaign turns. It was, you know, not non-existent, but there was probably what? There was like three rules. Here's how you figure out a game. Here's how you figure out where you're playing here's the rewards for it and here's how we move on. Like you, you could count the additional rules on one hand and, uh, but it provided that structure incentive and, uh, spark of motivation to, to get something going, give you, give you a reason to play your games or, or think about new things to do and all that sort of thing. So I, I think in that sense, it's a, it's a nice, uh, relatively low investment way to get, um, get something going with your group. And on that note, should we get out of here and play some games? Yeah, let's do it. All right. It's time for our reforging. Come discuss the show on the TGA.community forums. Follow us on Twitter, at Mortal Realms. Davey is at Red underscore Zeke. Eric is at Stone Monk Gamer. A review on iTunes would go a long way to helping others find our show and dive into the Age of Sigmar stories. Lastly, if you want to support the show, we have Mortal Realm status tokens available as a free DIY printable download. Or for $15 US plus shipping, you can have 60 full color, high quality laser cut tokens to help you keep track of the synergies on your battlefield. Go to thegamecrafters.com forward slash games forward slash mortal dash realms dash status dash tokens.